choke points. Choke point, choke point, choke point, choke point. Hello and welcome to episode number 133 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, February 8th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I'm hunting down stray commas, and I found a few. And from America's left coast, where the sports ball season is over, but the super spreader events continue. I'm Ryan Bimrose. They'll all continue. And actually, I, I made you hunt down your stray comma. In our chapters file. What a yeah, chase on. I, I blame I blame Microsoft. Well, that's your first. And uh sometimes only. That's the only need that straw man. But the yeah. it turns out I, an extra comma, I guess, will kill things still, huh? Yeah, it, it, when when I it, we we've been doing this experiment with uh adding chapters to Grumpy Old Ben's and, and an experiment it is, because while I'm busy researching stories this morning i see my name pop up in the troll room like what the hell you people want i'm like it's not working how dare you expect me to pay attention to a show what the you know you're the totally throwing off my vibe yeah i'm like it's not working like like, chapters don't work i'm like i uploaded the file and i pull open the file i open it in notepad which is of course my editor of choice i'm looking at it like it all looks fine and it passes my my microsoft validator well, it turns out that my my validator, whichever one I have, which uh, I probably need to change, is it really is totally okay with a trailing comment or a trailing comma in the last element of a list, which is a, a perfectly valid for like if you put it into a JavaScript source file, most browsers would be perfectly fine with that, but it's apparently not valid JSON. So Microsoft just has a very low bar on what they will validate. Actually, Microsoft didn't write this validator. I'm still blaming them anyway. <laughs> That's okay. It's always where you go. Uh, I do want to point out that this is still Chirac. And over the weekend here, a beautiful weekend, negative, negative Fahrenheit, way, way nice. Cold. Yeah. 23 shot too fatally. So we're still got the violence going on, even though most Weird. people aren't leaving the house. We're experiencing a heat wave here. It is currently 34 Fahrenheit, which for those of you who don't understand freedom units is uh, plus two, plus one. Yeah, plus one. <laughs> it's chilly. And that means you have yeah, to go chill. outside, get more wood, light it on a I, fire. I had, to, I had to go outside to collect the mail this morning and my nipples got there before I did. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to put on a coat, not just the robe when it's oh, that close well yeah but the robe works when in the room with the wood stove it's just the room with the really really high ceiling and and the frost on the ground that one it, you mean uh, the, the anyway. planet earth <laughs> yes yes the room called outside yes it's a very you don't want it's it's nice but you wouldn't want to have to paint it so i heard a rumor that there was some kind of sporting event going on yesterday that's what i heard I, even no agenda social was going crazy like i 
my position on the NFL this year was uh, go woke and I'm suddenly not interested in your product. So I really did. I didn't even know until yesterday who was playing. But even on No Agenda Social, there was like a live feed of every single thing that happened. Of course, it was it was colored by people complaining about I can't believe they're woke. And I'm like, if you can't. It, 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 yeah, I, I get that. But the, my solution to them being woke is I'm just not watching. Right. Uh, I did see a fantastic joke come by, though, which was that, uh, you know, after the timer ran out at 4 a.m., they decided to uh, stop counting points so that uh, the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> could wait for their mail in touchdowns to come in. Right. Well, that would help because that's how everything works now. Right. I mean, you, you can't say anything is official until all the mail ins come in. And it's yes. not fair if it's not the team people wanted. I mean. I guess the quarterback that won uh, Tom Brady is a, is a Trump supporter. So yeah, there was well, probably a lot he's of crying. Into, I mean, everybody likes him when he's winning the game, but the moment that the game is over, every uh, apparently everybody hates him. That was the other big thing that I like. One of the big, the biggest Super Bowl story that I saw this morning in my research was how Tom Brady was a total asshole because there was not one picture of him anywhere at the stadium wearing a mask. <gasps> Uh oh, being non-mask shamed. I, you know what? It made my respect for him go up. It's uh, I don't know much about him. I don't follow the players, especially off the field. But uh, I, I, if if that's the choice he wants to make, I fully respect it. And the other thing that apparently he he got into massive Twitter trouble about was the fact that he uh, like three days before the game, there was a USA Today op-ed that just blasted Tom Brady because he refused to denounce Trump, who he had said several years ago that he was a Trump supporter. But then afterward, he said, I just want to focus on football. I don't want to bring politics into it. And that was apparently a horrible racist white supremacist thing to say. And uh, the other the other thing that the USA Today op-ed blasted him about was that he was not willing to denounce his own race because (laughs) of BLM or whatever that. I, Yeah. Yeah. This is where we're at. This is where we are as a society. He's he's a football player. That's what he wants to be known for. I definitely respect that. He also likes oxygen. He likes fresh air, motherfucker. And I respect that, too. And you know what? I don't know anything about his performance on the field. Apparently, he scored a lot of touchdowns. Okay. Or he at least, you know, was the winning game. But I respect somebody who is like, I just want to, you know, I, I have to have fame because my job is football. But don't drag me into your idiotic politics. Right. Don't force somebody. I mean, he doesn't have. I mean, this is where I don't understand. This is where I have the disconnect with people. As a whole, I mean, the Colin Kaepernick's of the world, you know, who's a shitty quarterback who couldn't get a job. Everybody wants yeah, to who, pay attention. Who hasn't won any Super Bowls recently, by the way. Right. Or ever. You know, and everybody really cares about his opinion. That's nice. That's fine. If you want to be an activist, I'm fine with you being an activist. But that doesn't mean everybody that plays football has to care about politics or want anything about their political leanings attached to their public persona. And this is the way it should be, because this is how you can actually have sports where people just care about sports. This is where you can have entertainment where people just care about the product you're putting out. And we don't have that anymore. It's like, well, we, you have to take a side. 
And it doesn't make sense because most of the people that say you have to take a side don't really understand what they're talking about. Most are the useful idiot types. And I respect anybody who's like, you know what? I am a quarterback. I'm a football player. I'm a basketball player. And I just want to be the best at what I do. I don't follow politics enough to know or care. And that should be fine. People should be allowed to be whatever they want to be. You know, they tell you that the left will tell you, well, it's fine. You can be whatever you want to be. We everybody get choice unless your choice is something they don't like. And then they will come down on you like use Hitler. And it doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't make sense to me. And this is why sports, Hollywood, music, all seeing declines in what kind of money people want to put behind their consumption of these things because people I think are sick and tired of being force fed stuff. You know, if you tune into a football game, I think there's a really good chance that 99.9% of the people that turned into the Super Bowl wanted to see the Super Bowl or the ads. They didn't really want to be preached to. I don't think. I I think you nailed it. And I also think that the Babylon Bee nailed it when uh, they had a headline that was, uh, you know, Millions of conservatives are uh, use the Super Bowl to relax and and get away from all of the people trying to mask shame them and tell them that they're horrible people and tune into the Super Bowl to see people trying to shame them and right. tell them that they're horrible people. Right. It doesn't make sense. It, you know, if it's not if it's not the the players themselves and the kneeling and the the league, then it's all of the ads telling you that you're a terrible person because how dare you not embrace every leftist idea that comes along. And if it's not that, then you go watch the halftime show. You know what? I really miss the days of a halftime show when they had uh, uh what the hell was her name back in like oh three decided. Yeah, had a nip slip. I mean, I I like that was the thing that suddenly made me go. Maybe these halftime shows are worth something. Um, <laughs> Want to check them out? I, finally. You know, even last year, yeah. You know, I I've never cared too much about the the impromptu concert, other than it is absolutely fascinating to watch how quickly these people can transform a football field into a concert hall and back in twenty minutes. That, by the way, impresses the crap out of me. But um, what did they get this year? They got a decrepit old zombie telling people if you don't wear masks, then you're an asshole. Oh, you mean Joe Biden? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, who th- who thinks that that makes a good fucking Super Bowl halftime show? And, and from what I heard, uh, I believe he may have been booed. <laughs> so, uh, I hope so. <laughs> like, we're here for football. I mean, come on, let people separate this stuff. Sports should be an escape for people. Entertainment should be an escape for people from politics from covid which is why all these shows that are coming back and have done multiple episodes with people in masks and stuff it's like why why are you doing it it doesn't make sense you think this is going to hold up well it's like it's not and the continual reminder people want to turn on a sitcom and be able to laugh and i mean i'm fine with there being political humor on both sides, that's fine. As long as you don't get too nasty, it can be fun in a sitcom. But no, now it's uh, this is such a one sided world with I mean, the, again the Super Bowl winning quarterback. The biggest news that I saw besides, you know, the fact that, you know, he won another one was Kamala Harris's daughter. Oh, he wasn't wearing a mask. 
Yeah, like, but who gives a shit about her? Nobody. But this is okay. what's showing as front page news on major news sites, which I don't I mean. OK, I was going to say I don't get it. I do. There's the people running these sites are pushing a narrative. None of it is real. None of it is accurate. It's all we pick and choose exactly what to tell you. Sometimes they're not outright lies, but often they are just to make you think a certain way. And of course, all the tech is behind a lot of this. And I mean, is everybody going to run out and buy a Jeep because Bruce Springsteen wants unity? And I like Bruce. I've always liked Bruce, one of the biggest artists that I've liked back since I was a teenager. But his politics now, after he was pretty vicious in the things he said about Donald Trump, just like Joe Biden, now to come out and be like, well, now what the world needs is unity. It's like, screw you. Where were you six months ago asking for unity? Too late. Not buying it. And I'm certainly not buying a Jeep because Bruce Springsteen wants unity. Here's the problem with all the calls for unity it is that you can it, it rings hollow and it, it, let's take the specifics out of it. But in every case that somebody is calling for unity after a period of unrest, um, it rings hollow to call for unity, but not offer any concessions whatsoever. And And that's the that is what the unity is right now coming from people on the left is like. Okay, we've won. We've just crushed the shit out of everything that you stand for. We've corrupted your entire culture. We've taken over your kids. By the way, reading a story the other day about uh, a kid who uh, his father died of COVID and he said, Hell, my dad voted for Trump, so I'm going to ignore his last wishes. And, uh, you know, I'm just waiting. His urn is sitting on the mantelpiece. It's, he's not going to get the funeral he wanted. I'm just waiting for trash day. Like, okay, you know what? The, the the dude's biggest failure was that he failed as a parent because you are a shit. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Um, well, that's Trump it, derangement syndrome to let's hope the maximum level. Yeah. So uh, the only thing that I really know about Springsteen, other than he was a pretty good songwriter back in the day, and I have no idea what he's done for the last 30 years, is that uh, he is, in fact, exactly he is 18 years older than I am to the day. Wow. Well, there you go. There you go. So I always, I always celebrated. I, I never celebrated his birthday because I was bit too busy having my own. That's all. Yeah. Well, that's it. But you stopped. It's not a useful fact, but you stopped. You stopped having your birthday and you replaced it with a wedding anniversary. Yeah. Well, I'm not giving it back to Bruce, am I? <laughs> no, no, he's got enough. He's got enough. I mean, he's still out doing stuff. I mean, he was before the COVID thing hit, he did his whole Broadway run and I will give credit to anybody who can do a solo show that many nights and pull it off. Cause he is a great songwriter. And it was interesting because with the Broadway run, he admitted that he was a fraud for lack of a better term. He said, you know, I've made my career singing these stories about blue collar people who work in factories who bust their ass, who break their back just to earn a living. And he said, I admit, that's never been me. Never had to have a real job. I've been able to make a whole lot of money just sitting on my ass playing guitar or standing up playing guitar. Either way, it's pretty yeah. easy work. And uh, uh, I, I, I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, and quite and, lucrative. And good, good work if you could get it. But now here's the I, I wish I could play guitar like that. Yeah, well, here's the interesting question. And he is a hell of a guitar player. A lot of people don't realize that you go back to like the early stuff, especially in the 70s. 
you know, he's one hell of a guitar player. But now here's the interesting question about Bruce Springsteen. And this came out again. He said this when he was doing his Broadway run, which was before all of this woke stuff really started hitting, like right about at the forefront. Now, in light of all of these things, like how dare you have a actor who doesn't have ADHD playing somebody with ADHD? Shouldn't Bruce Springsteen be canceled because he's admitted that all the stuff he sang about, he never actually experienced. So isn't he just appropriating somebody no. else's lives and culture? No, that's that's what uh, that's what art and creation is, is you create things that oh, I you agree. Not- and I know you agree because <laughs> so- you're rational, but the left, shouldn't they be trying to cancel this guy? Um, no, I don't think they should be trying to cancel anybody. Next question. <laughs> I'm just saying based upon what they've been doing. Shouldn't he be a target? That was the the question, a song I played before the show, which uh, another pretty big lefty, um, you know, goes down in history. I think John Lennon, I think, uh, goes down as somebody that you would put on the liberal spectrum. Correct. I I don't think I'm I don't think I'm misstating anything here. Liberal from the 1960s is very different than what passes for a liberal today. That's true, because I was wondering that there was actually some. Uh, some tie in with the root of the word liberty back then. <laughs> well, maybe now today, the people called liberals are in exactly the opposite of wanting liberty. But this is interesting in light of, again, everything that has happened over the last few years. We've covered it here on Grumpy Old Ben's John Lennon did the song. Woman is the nigger of the world. So shouldn't that be words where I don't he's not been canceled. I haven't seen statues of John Lennon ripped down. I mean, he used um, the uh, N word in a song. I mean, he kind of was canceled. Well, quite, <laughs> well, quite violently and and publicly. Well, by one guy, his life was extinguished. Yes, but by the public in at large, no. And it's it's kind of interesting. I don't think he should be. I think he was making one hell of a accurate statement with the song, but. We're seeing now anybody that uses that word. I just did. So, I mean, I guess we'll be shut down any second now and uh, we'll just wait. Uh, on one that, can only hope. Is that, is that what you're hoping for? Sweet relief. <laughs> Grumpy old Ben's finally. Well, no, I, I always assumed that GOB would be shut down because of something I said. And it, it would be a delicious <laughs> irony if it was because you finally decided to use the word for the first time in your life. I, you know, I honestly wasn't going to say anything about it. I was like, good for you. I'm just going to let it slide. <laughs> It's like, but this is a song that was not I me mean, not using it lightly, but this, as we've talked about with any use of language, and it doesn't matter what word or words, context should matter. And yes, that is what we've lost sight of. That well, context nuance is not exactly a strong suit of, of the people participating in cancel culture. What is it? I'm sure you nuance. Nuance. Yes. No, that's true. They've got yeah. the sledgehammer and they're ready yeah. to go swinging. I mean, at, at this point, because you, because you pointed it out and Grumpy Old Benz has so much reach. Now, all the John Lennon statues are probably going to be torn down because you pointed out that he did one thing in his past that somebody might not like. Congratulations. Way to go. You just totally <laughs> screwed up the legacy of the Beatles. I'm sure there have been a few things. I mean, I mentioned the same thing when. uh when Kate Smith was canceled, that was the singer that was known for the national um, for uh, God Bless America that they used to play at all the Yankee games. They had to stop 
because they found out that there was a song that she did in a movie way back in the fifties yeah. where she used they, the term. They found darkies. out that she had, she had a life that she had lived and, and that life was full of high points and low points. And, and the, the class of people who go out on the internet and just screech at everything who've never actually left their basement, uh, don't understand that when you live a normal life, then sometimes things happen. Well, and this was the oddest thing was still that she was in the song where she said the word darkies. She was playing a character in a movie. You know who else did a song with the term darkies in it? Frank Sinatra. You know what you had? Crickets. Because I, I think the left knew trying to cancel Sinatra would get pushback. No, don't don't tease me. <laughs> I know you'd like that. But you're, nobody's going to cancel Frank Sinatra. There's, no, it's not no, they happen. never cancel the ones who need it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. This yeah, is- that's right. Yeah. When when we get a phone call from from <laughs> Frank's estate or from Frank himself, be like, hey, I don't like what you said on Grumpy Old Ben's. I'll be hey, like, ben I'm Rose, sorry. I'm got- sorry. Also, can you donate and become an expert? Yeah. I got chunks in my stool bigger than you, kid. I, I believe that. <laughs> okay. We should probably get to a tech we should. Based story of some sort. I've- and- and this came I've got a couple for what well, this is from my favorite site, which I haven't gone okay. to in weeks, which is TechCrunch. Oh, and yeah. their their headline oh, today. used to have something to do with tech. I know their headline today. And this I thought was an interesting story just based upon what we saw happening with this stuff again with the uh, Capitol riots. But Minneapolis police tapped Google to identify George Floyd protesters. So I saw that headline on TechCrunch, and I'm immediately wondering where they're going with this article. Yeah, I was going to say, are they just looking for a list of people who who should never be prosecuted again? Or right, and you're wondering, are they actually looking? And I mean, if there were, this was actually less woke of an article than I thought it would be originally, but there was some of that in there because it's well, you already said tech crunch. So you set your expectations, right? Yeah. The bar is different. The bar is definitely uh, changed from what it used to be, but Minneapolis police obtained a search warrant. It says ordering Google to turn over sets of account data on various people accused of vandalism, violence, in the wake of the George Floyd protest. So, okay. I'm again, I'm thinking this is kind of interesting. And I I didn't know that sounds incredibly illegal on its face. But yeah, well, see, that was my you know question, too. It's like, so what is the legality of what police can ask for? And this is something that we've talked about a bit that people need to understand where they're getting the data from, what kind of data is available, because there's a different thing involved than. Tracking your phone by going to whoever you're with, AT&T, Xfinity, Verizon. There's different protections from your phone company, who I don't think necessarily is tracking your GPS quite as closely as some other apps and other apps, which could be anything like TikTok or Facebook, who are constantly tagging your information. That's more than happy to give up the information when whoever comes asking, anybody willing to pay for it can get the information, including the authorities. But the article goes on saying, you know, the death of George Floyd, black man killed by a white police officer, prompted thousands of peacefully protests across the (laughs) city. Right. There's the tech crunch. I remember. Yes. Prompted thousands, sorry, prompted thousands to peacefully protest across the city, but violence soon erupted. So it's like, okay, wait, now where are they going with this? 
police began with a masked man seen in a video with an umbrella and smashing windows of an auto parts store. A masked man in 2020. Somebody wearing a mask. You don't say. Yes. Yes. Now, the interesting thing here is from a tech standpoint, they did a geo fence request, which was basically anybody that was near this auto zone. And this isn't the only incident they asked for. But in this case, where a lot of this violence started, they basically went to Google and said, yeah, anybody that was showing up anywhere near this area. We want their information. And allegedly, the first round of information was, well, you know, there can be anonymous information, but then they can come back and ask for more details because they really don't need to know who everybody is right off the bat. But they're doing a fishing expedition, which is, well, you know, if we can put a phone at the auto zone and then at another place and then at another place, well, then we want to know who that is. But just give us the data first, you know, and we can look through that and see what we can find. I mean, we didn't we do a story about this? I know it was in my notes. I thought we talked about the the practice, and and this is something that that police have been doing a lot uh, lately. Is just trying to create these geofence. I mean, what what would have been back in the day called a, a police dragnet? Yes, and it's 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 a more electronic form of something that has been ruled illegal by the Supreme Court when they do it physically which is give me a list of everybody in this entire area. Okay. They're all now suspects and we're going to presume them guilty unless we can rule, rule them out. And when, you know, it, back in the fifties and sixties, when the Supreme court was talking about this and I don't remember the case, uh, I, I had it in my notes, but it was, I honestly, it was probably 25 shows ago. Yeah. We covered um, it. Yeah. When, uh, the I mean, the Supreme Court ruled that when the cops go out and and they cordon off uh, an area, uh, th- this I think was in reference to a concert or something where something happened at the concert. You are not allowed legally to presume that every single person at the concert is guilty until proven innocent. You have to come up with more information. Well, apparently the technique is still valid and uh, putting the word electronic in front of the technique renders it to be something that we now want to do again. I I mean, this is the kind of thing that, that if the Supreme court were fair, they would be (laughs) shooting it down immediately. Um, The Supreme court with John Roberts, they're probably going to be entirely on the side of Google who coincidentally probably just bought him his third house. Right. Which uh, I mean, there's a reason depending on who they're looking for, how people look at this, there is mentioned in the article that, People, a lot of critics do believe that it's unconstitutional for the reasons you mentioned, which is it's putting out a really wide net and gathering information yeah, the, on people just because they were someplace. Yeah, the the word that has been used for that practice for a long time in police circles is dragnet. Yeah, that was a great show too, Joe Friday. <laughs> it was it was a fun show, but uh, the 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 show came because of the term. Yes, it said uh, TechCrunch learned of the search warrants from a Minneapolis resident, Saeed Abdullah. Abdullahi, I'm butchering that because I can't say. Yes, thank you. Uh, he, re- he received an email from Google, which is an interesting fact. I guess if your information is included in something like this that is requested by the feds or whoever, Google will let you know that you're part of something, that your information was requested. And basically that they're giving you up. 
The guy said he had no part in the violence, was only there to video the protests. I'm sure that's what a lot of people are saying who were. uh, Yes, yes. Yes. My protesting was entirely peaceful. I peacefully threw a flaming brick through somebody's window. Yeah. But that was it was just to videotape it. Don't you know? Yeah. Uh, I peacefully beat that Trumper to death. So, yeah, anybody that was close to the auto zone between 520 and 540 p.m. Central, they're looking for the information. And of course, the police won't really answer anything about this. But this comes back then to this masked man, the umbrella wielding masked man smashing (laughs) the windows, (laughs) the hero that the, the hero we deserve, but not necessarily the one we need. Well, see, now here's this is the interesting part. Police say this, according to the TechCrunch article again, they spent significant resources on on trying to identify the so-called umbrella man, who they say was the catalyst for widespread violence across the city. So you remember the kind of violence that was going on in Minneapolis at that point. They're trying to blame this now on one guy. Maybe if George Floyd were wearing an umbrella or, or the BLM agitators. Actually, dude probably was Antifa. Well, see again, here is the interesting part. Now here's a quote. Uh, from the affidavit, this was the first fire that was set off in a string of fires and looting throughout the precinct and the rest of the city. Again, this is about the umbrella man, whoever the umbrella man is. It says, please accuse the umbrella man of creating, quote, an atmosphere of hostility and tension. Sounds like he's Donald Trump. You know, he's yeah. you know, whose his sole aim was it, to. It sounds like he's a patsy. Yes. His sole aim was, quote, to incite violence. And then in their wokeness. TechCrunch is not linking to the affidavit as the police would not say if the suspect had been charged with a crime. Right. Which means it probably has something that goes against the narrative. Well, see, they won't link to the affidavit, but then they say, who do you think they, you just said they they were going to link this guy to Antifa. Well, the, the affidavit links the suspect. I I have no such confidence in either the Minneapolis police or uh, the, the TechCrunch site. No, I was just saying he probably was. Well, I, I, the affidavit, though, that they oh. won't link to oh, links, right. okay. links the suspect to a white supremacist group called the Aryan Cowboys and to an incident weeks later where a Muslim woman was harassed. So now, wait, the person that started the George Floyd riots in Minneapolis, <laughs> TechCrunch wants you to believe it's a white supremacist. Um, yeah, TechCrunch would want you to believe that. Oh, I mean, this is, this is beyond nuts that, but you know, when anybody suggested, let's remember months later at the Capitol riots, when people went, you know, there could have been Antifa and Black Lives Matter people in there just trying to incite. No, no, that would never happen. Oh, but the George Floyd riots. No, that was obviously a white supremacist mixed in that was getting people wound up. I mean, all of those people that were rioting and looting throughout the country would have never done that. If not for umbrella man, I mean, who believes this? I think it's a commentary on the, the state of, of media today where, uh, yeah, the, the quote unquote revolution is being televised and every single thing that happens is, you know, back in the day, if, if you wanted to see, a riot happened. You had to be there. And there were only a few thousand people or, or so. 
And nowadays, uh, every time that some tiny incident happens between 50 people on one side and, and 40 on the other side, there are millions and millions of YouTube viewers who are able to watch every aspect of it. And we've kind of got an, uh, a voyeur culture for the for political violence anymore. It's resulting in the media is they're they're creating the you know they're they're creating the narrative and then they're the ones reporting on it and saying you know this happened and this happened and and look everybody and no none of us were there and you I, can't really believe what you see in any of the videos and it's an interesting thing because if you show up on video i mean granted it's harder to identify most people with all the masks and that but going into any of these areas where there's massive amounts of rioting and crime going on, like this case here, yeah, I mean, the data from your cell phone on where you were can be damning, but less so than you showing up on a video, you know, actually smashing into a store and carrying out oh, television. Yeah, yeah I, I could almost support uh, an effort uh, like... um you know, during a riot the back in 98 uh, that I may or may not have been involved in uh, where the police, uh, well, what they ended up doing was taking everybody's uh, video cameras and and uh, not a lot of cell phones, but any anything that could take video. And they collected all the video they could of it and they went through the video and then they put out, OK, and, and all the pictures and there were a number of pictures posted uh, not to Facebook. It wasn't around back then, but but online. and they collected images and they said, okay, from the images, these are the people that we are interested in, which is a, a hell of a lot more legitimate and uh, a lot more, it draws a much better line than just saying anybody whose cell phone was in the area. Right. As a way to start, I mean, it's, it, it's the very slippery slope when you add in all the stuff we talked about, which is things like, well, you know, TikTok has all of your GPS data, so the police don't actually have to go to any reputable company. They could just go to TikTok and be like, oh, yeah, give me their information. Well, give me their videos. And uh, it's like, so I guess my advice to anybody who intends to participate in one of these peaceful protests or <laughs> or if you are on the other side and you just intend to to show up and mill around and somehow it become turns into a violent insurrection. I'm well, not yeah, real because sure how can, that happened. You can claim citizen oh. journalists, don't you know? I mean, we're podcasters. Well, we could be my, like, hey, we're here because we're covering it for grumpy old beds. We're not here. The Molotov my cocktail, advice, no. My advice is that if you want to show up to one of these things just to to be seen and, and have, like, you know, to support whatever cause it is you're supporting, leave your damn phone at home. Now, because nobody's going to follow that advice, my other advice is turn off GPS and uninstall the apps that we know track you. You're going to be a lot happier. Now, it's OTG. The the issues with a lot of this stuff, I mean, you can come up with a lot of different scenarios like, oh, gee, I took my friend's phone. I took my girlfriend's phone. I took somebody else's phone, whoever it is, into the riot. Well, now you could be implicating them. This is... uh not yeah, really. That sounds like a pretty good idea, actually. Somebody else's phone. Yes. Yeah. 
like buy, just borrow someone's phone where you really don't like them. Right. Can you do me a favor? I, my phone's not working right now. Can I borrow yours for like yeah. an hour? Like I, I just got to go downtown. I need, I need a phone. My phone's not working, but I need something just in case I need to make an emergency call. Can I borrow yours for a bit? Yeah. Oh, and don't worry. I won't install, install too many apps on it. <laughs> when the GPS shows up at Nancy Pelosi's desk. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it yeah. at all. Wow. You know, honestly, uh, the thing that I think surprised me the most about uh, this TechCrunch article is that um, there are still cops in Minneapolis. Right. I thought, I thought we were defunding. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, everywhere I mean, are, they, are they, they working for free? Are they all pro bono? Maybe. Like, are they just vigilantes? Maybe there's less. <laughs> yes, that'd be a story. Google gives location <laughs> data on thousands of people to vigilante group. Right. Well, that's got to make it easier for those people to go find them. But, yeah, all these places, there's I don't think there's any uh, any question about the causality where they have platform the police basically where they've defunded the police where they've lowered the budgets for the police departments crime has gone up i mean i don't know who who couldn't have saw this coming but none of the city council members i can tell you that right i mean the ones that had to hire extra security they thought that you know as far as they're concerned all crime is caused by police being heavy-handed and therefore if you just take the cops off the street and send out counselors well they're right and that is what they said yeah, well, that is what they said. And they, I think they do believe that, you know, enforcing the laws is unfair. Although then these are the folks that want to keep adding more laws, including higher taxes. Well, that's part of a law. You have to pay this. Well, if you know what, if you're not going to arrest somebody for punching somebody randomly in the mouth as they walk down the street, then when I decide I don't want to pay my taxes, you really can't enforce that either. Let's go all well, wild they west. can. Well, they, they can. Will. The IRS does not fuck around and nobody's defunding that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Trust they got me. We've, we've got another month and a half before everybody has to go ahead and remember that that you're not free and that 30 percent of everything you own actually belongs to this circus called the federal government. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. The the I mean, I actually thought the TechCrunch folks who were whoever wrote this article covered it fairly well i just uh i thought it was kind of interesting that their uh the author zach whitaker that i didn't see this one coming that well you know the person that started all the violence we think he's a white supremacist yeah (laughs) it is not it is good of him to slip it in there in fact he might not have it might have been the editor that that got that in like you've got to have something that that slams everybody on you know all right the, the enemies i don't know because it's uh, you know what the zach whitaker guy might be on on par to get fired if he if he's yeah. putting out useful stories from TechCrunch. Yeah. they don't want him there yeah i mean but it's an interesting thing because it's like okay if you're all for using this kind of technology to get the people at the capitol but you're like whoa 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 the blm people no no they're righteous well you can't yeah have well that, we, we we're getting we're getting accustomed to that level of hypocrisy. Don't worry. That frog is, is boiling a pace. Uh, I want to drag you off to Jersey city for a bit. Oh God. Why is Bruce there? <laughs> is there a concert over at the stone pony? We going on the boardwalk. No, there was a shooting in 2017. Probably the cops in this case picked up uh, somebody named Corey Pickett, who is notable for having some very clever lawyers on his defense team. And uh, this is a New Jersey Court of Appeals case uh, where the lawyers have asked 
the the, the police picked up uh, Mr. Pickett in connection with the crime by uh, using a DNA profiling evidence using the uh, a speck of blood or whatever on the knife they claim is the murder weapon and comparing it to him and then running it through through some fancy software and it went through a database and picked him out of the database as the guy. And that's when they arrested him. And now he's on trial for murder. Um, he actually was, uh, I, I don't know, this is an appeals court and the previous court, um, he, he, it was his team that went into the appeals court. So I guess he was convicted by the lower court and he's appealing. I'm not really sure. Makes sense. But that's the kind of thing that happens in the criminal justice system. Prove me wrong. Um, but anyway, uh, what they determined or what the defense decided to do was they, uh, they asked, uh, to, they subpoenaed cyber genetics, which is the makers of a piece of software called true Allel, which is a proprietary closed source DNA analyzing software that the police used. Um, apparently cyber genetics has a number of other some uh, uh, closed source software, which uh, has been proven in other cases to be buggy. There's one in particular called forensic statistical tool, which uh, had quote, a secret function tending to overestimate the likelihood of guilt. <laughs> and it, it resulted already in 60 other cases in New Jersey, which are going to be reanalyzed as a result of this tool. Hey, so when you need to railroad a criminal, we got the software for you. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you think you think Dominion voting machines are corrupt. Imagine it, if you have a DNA testing kit where you can just put your thumb on the scale. Now, I'm not saying that happened, but that is, in fact, what Corey Pickett's lawyers are alleging. Uh, the lower court with, that convicted him would not allow him because cybergenetics claimed that uh, the source code of this is a trade secret. Um, the company did, in fact, offer to let the lawyers review them under an NDA and a million dollar liability fine, but they declined because it meant that they couldn't bring in any external experts. And frankly, I if I were a lawyer, I would realize that my expertise is law and not code and not take that either. Right. You kind of want somebody who knows what the hell they're looking at to do it. Um, so the true LL software, which, by the way, is one hundred seventy thousand lines of MATLAB code, and I do not envy the task of anybody who wants to try to review that um they uh the software has been tied to uh, i didn't write it down so i'm not going to tell you how many convictions um but yeah they are (laughs) i know i will we'll edit in post we'll add in how exactly how many from the notes that i didn't write down um but anyway uh the Lower the lower court denied the defense the right to see this because they wouldn't accept the conditions. The appeals court has now awarded the defense team the right to review this hundred seventy thousand lines of MATLAB and uh, to determine whether or not it's analyzing the DNA correctly. Now, I'm not going to say that Corey Pickett didn't murder this guy, but I am going to say that uh, having your government who are uh, theoretically working for you and should be open and transparent relying entirely on a closed source trade secret proprietary black box chunk of software is a little bit concerning and i fully support the idea that if you were going to use this software to convict somebody 
that somebody ought to be able to audit the software. I think that's a really good idea. That would make sense. And this just is a glaring flaw when it comes to technology and the legal system, because as you said, lawyers are lawyers. They're not tech experts. So a lot of them have no idea how this stuff works. Most judges have no idea how this stuff works. And of course, most jurors have no idea how this stuff works. So again, this is just a case of being able to tell a story to push a narrative to get people to convict because they're like, oh, well, the software system said he's the guy. I mean, what the software system wouldn't lie. Yeah. Well, it, no, software doesn't lie. If if software ever comes out wrong, it's just a glitch. Right. Well, yeah. Look at look at what was been happening with the testing for COVID. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wait, we can we can make it. So the false positives are like 50 yeah. times higher just by cycling it some more. Huh. And, and, and as a developer, I can tell you that the the one thing that everybody always has a requirement for is you when you create a black box, you always put knobs on the side. <laughs> you, you, if you're writing if you're writing a covid test, you need a little knob on the side says, how sensitive should we make this? Should we get more false positives or less? If you're writing a DNA testing software, it does not surprise me in the least if there is a large stack of variables that you input at the very top of the function. And at least one of them is, should we find this guy guilty? Yes. And people that take this stuff to waiting it way too much when deciding on somebody's guilt is an issue. I mean, I get it. And it comes down, like we said, take somebody else's phone to the riot. When it comes down to like, there's a murder weapon or something like that. All you need is like one drop of your enemy's blood. You go kill somebody, make sure you don't get any of your blood on it. And then you just put a drop of your buddy's blood on the knife and you leave it at the scene. And I mean, not that I have any personal (laughs) experience with trying to kill somebody, but that part of go kill somebody and don't get any of your blood at the scene. (laughs) that harder harder than you. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm just saying, and this is where you can't just look at this evidence and be like, well, there's no question how that got there. I mean, this, is why our legal system was built upon the basis that it was and that you are innocent until proven guilty, no matter what CNN says that you're, what is it that you're innocent until that somebody yeah. suggests no, that, maybe that you- wasn't CNN. That was uh, a national security chief. Uh, what was his name? Brenner said, said people, uh, it was, it was, it was not CNN. It, I mean, CNN was the one that reported it. That quote that no agenda loves to pull out was, uh, one of the like national security advisor or some, somebody highly placed in the Trump or Obama administration who said, well, you know, people are presumed to be innocent until alleged to be uh, involved in a crime. Right. Well, like uh, you're presumed innocent until alleged. That, that's really what they believe. Yeah. You got to be proven guilty. And this is the question of how much evidence do you need to prove somebody was guilty? The fact that they were in the general vicinity of a location when a crime happened does not guarantee they're guilty. Sure, it can add, but you need a- room is saying it was CIA director John Brennan. So so not just some CNN lackey. Well, he might be now. Right. I was. think right, that's his new gig. No <laughs> doubt about it. No doubt about it. But this is the issue in this country that people this it's kind of like the freedom of speech. It's like this stuff is quickly going by the wayside and a lot of it i think is because people put way too much weight on the technological evidence 
that they think can't be wrong. And I know DNA, there's been stuff, and I love the fact that where there were large enough samples, when they can get DNA tests on things, crimes, you know, murders that maybe happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. I think it's fantastic, but you have to understand the limitations of the system, and you can't just use one thing as a means to convict somebody. That's just, it's very dangerous because the legal system was set up where we would rather let some bad people go free than to accidentally lock up people who didn't do anything wrong. I think one of the problems is that in today's secular society with the death of formal religion, people are constantly seeking out and looking for something to put all of their faith into. And for a lot of people, it's, you know, believe in the science, which is, of course, a a ridiculous term on its face. But uh, believe in technology that that I think is a a lot of people. and, and, And of course, if you're out there and you've got some kind of technology that that falls apart, if people stop believing in it, then you would totally jump on this bandwagon and and propagandize the hell out of it and make sure that you proselytize your technology as, as it's always good and it's always perfect. And then you have, you know, like religious icons like uh, Steve jobs who went out there and, and primed everybody to start worshiping technology. That's pretty much what, what other motivation is there for somebody to buy a, an admittedly pretty decent piece of hardware and then pay five times as much as they should for it because it has a freaking Apple logo on it. Well, hello, religion will do that. I might be going off the rails here, but I technology is the new religion for a lot of people. And when you decide that, then then things like a glitch in the technology is just, oh, it happens. Technology makes mistakes. No, it doesn't. It's either got a bug and then it's always going to make that mistake or it's been programmed and there's a human behind it who is trying to screw you over. Yeah. Technology doesn't just accidentally make a mistake and then fix it later. That's not. No, (laughs) that people do that. Not technology. No, no. The AIs will rebuild themselves. Let's all ignore garbage in garbage out that we don't want to believe that either. We we just want to believe. What was it? I'm sorry. We should read. We should change that statement. It should be Google in Google out. Right. That's either way. (laughs) You got a whole lot of issue, but uh, there is some movement on the Article 230 concept, which uh, or Section 230 um, that we've talked about, which is the part that everybody seems to hate when it comes out to Internet companies and uh, what they can and cannot get away with. And uh, this is something now, again, there's a bunch of legislation, so it's not saying this is the this is what's going to happen because there's a lot of different legislation, but this thing, uh, which I also found on TechCrunch, so good on them for two decent stories. This is the, te- this is the bill that is being They've blown their load for 2021. Kind of. This is what is being proposed by Democrats, Mark Warner, Maisie Hirano and Amy Klobuchar. So you Amy Klobuchar. So, you know, it's good. You know, it's gotta be good. And I know you said Democrats. I know that it's probably, <laughs> probably going to hate it. <laughs> So the current version of 230 says no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information speech provided by another information content provider, which basically means if other people are posting it, you can't be held responsible for it, even if it's your site. So if somebody comes to Grumpy Old Ben's and posts some inflammatory statement. Which makes a lot of sense. And it's one of the reasons why it was actually a pretty valuable law in the 
creation and rise of of internet social media yes and the change that these three would like to make would be to no provider or user of an interactive computer service can be shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any and then the difference is speech provided by another information content provider except to the extent the provider or user has accepted payment to make the speech available or in whole or in part created or funded the creation of the speech. What the so hell they want does to that kill mean? advertising? Well, yes. Now, who does advertising? They, they want to kill native ads. They want to kill advertising, which means who are they going after? Well, the capitalists. Well, yeah, but uh, that's going to backfire terribly yes. on, on these these bought and paid for Congress critters. Yes. Yes. I mean, I mean, do they understand who pays their salary? Because let me tell you, it ain't the freaking people. This is their set. You know, the articles talks about that. It could even get down to people uh, affected on services like Substack or Patreon. I mean, for instance. Oh, yeah, of course it would. It, we, I mean, the the last attack on 230 was trying to kill Backpage, which was, if I recall, an, uh, a site that would just connect you with a courtesan or something. Now, is anything exactly. that we post on social media because we are hosts of Grumpy Old Ben's and we're on Patreon and that means we are bringing money in. Does that make all of our speech uh, part of this? Because I I bet some lawyer, some slick lawyer could make that argument. This is not you know, going to be when, good. When I was telling you only a, a minute ago that uh, I thought that Section 230 was initially it, it, Okay, the Communications Decency Act was, uh, as most laws are, a, a horrible piece of legislation. And Section 230 was one of the shining lights in it that act because because rather than imposing liability like most uh, laws do, Section 230 has had the effect of shielding liability, of limiting liability, which automatically made it a better law because it reduced the litigiousness and the the chance that. The the chilling effect that thou shalt not go out and try anything new, lest thou be sued into oblivion. And it, I, I think I honestly think that it was a really good idea to try to limit liability in that place. Uh, the problem that we're running into with Section 230 is not that it limits liability and or or that it shields people from lawsuits if your users post stuff. It is that right next to that in the same section of the law. There is a uh, a section that says, however, you're totally willing or able to censor as long as uh, you're doing it because it's uh, it's porn or it's uh, obscene content or you just don't like it, which kind of guts the whole section. And that was an artifact of the fact that Section 230 is is the 230th section of the quote Communications Decency Act, which was passed by. A bunch of Puritan Republicans who cannot stand to hear anybody say a swear word online or to see one nipple in their media or they will melt down and lose their minds. You remember back when Republicans had that kind of of power? Not entirely true, because in the TechCrunch article, they do quote Senator Ron Wyden, a Democrat from Oregon, who is listed as one of Section 230's original authors. Wyden's a libertarian, by the way. 
Well, they listed yeah. as a Democrat, but I mean, I guess uh, sure he did because you can't get you can't get <laughs> elected as a libertarian anywhere and you can't get elected as anything other than a Democrat in Oregon. Yeah, he says that this new bill has good intentions, but issued a strong caution against the bl- blowback that the unintended unintended consequences that it could cause, saying, quote, unfortunately, as written, it would devastate every part of the open Internet. And cause massive collateral damage to online speech. So, okay. Oh, I believe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I did what, what I when I was talking about. I was talking about the intent behind the Wyden's original Section Two Thirty, not this this new thing. Because yes. what this new thing does is it expands the exceptions to the liability shield, which means that you are uh, by by removing by limiting the limitation on liability, you are. It, exposing people to more liability and yes yes if you if you expose people to liability simply because they take money then the only thing that's going to be left are going to be the free sites and actually that might be exactly what google wants because of course you know free and sell your users is the model that they have made all their bones on they do like to get the information wyden also said creating liability for all commercial relationships would cause web hosts cloud storage providers and even paid email services to purge their networks of any controversial speech so uh, yeah i agree i agree with this 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 would be going the wrong direction yeah this is where we're going because uncle joe's in charge now uncle joe yeah yeah. auntie kamala also a total side note and uh, don't get me wrong as as far as congress creators go wyden is one of the few that that i would not punch in the face if i just met him on the street um but there is something wrong with the fact that section 230 was from the 90s and the guy who drafted it is still in congress what does that say about how in touch our congress is you know we've railed on term limits before and rightfully so and i I don't believe that people that get involved in politics should be grossly limited meaning i don't think it should just be a one-term thing because i do believe like any job you're going to get better after you come in and hit the ground running like the uh no really citation needed not one of them has ever got better by being in for a long time i think any job i mean with the like two-year well sure if you're doing something useful well any job you would get better at once you get in you understand what you can and cannot do how the system works I, I'm just asserting that spending time in Washington, D.C. doesn't make one better. It makes one more evil, more corrupt. I'm sure there are people that are actually able to do their job and not all of them are evil. But the system as a whole does lead to misuse and people. Uh, <clears throat> Nancy Pelosi making a whole lot of money <laughs> for, uh, you know, for themselves. And that, I think, should be limited. See, yeah. that would be my more than. I'm, I'm- more than a term limit, my- I would want a moratorium on the money that the people and their close family members could make. That, I would think, if you're actually doing public service. If- what, limit nepotism. That's that's the American way. Well, but that would be more important to me, I think, than term yeah. limits. I'm going to stand by my blatant stereotyping of every <laughs> single human being in government in Washington, D.C. being a corrupt slime ball. Prove me wrong. Well, you're running for mayor of whatever your small town is next time it comes up. And I want to see the campaign posters. 
<laughs> Bemrose. <laughs> vote, vote Bemrose, slime ball in chief. <laughs> I'll buy a new robe. <laughs> <laughs> that would be delightful. That would be delightful. But okay, you know, TechCrunch actually had interesting stuff and the 230 stuff, you know, they're going to go the wrong way because the people that are currently in charge are really against the freedom of speech. And we've been harping on that for over 10 years. And people are finally catching up to this. People are finally starting to realize. I mean, I don't know what one incident or what happened to the guy that started the Gateway Pundit, but he's now been kicked off of Twitter for life. The fact they did this to Trump, the fact that they're going after conservatives. Twitter's just doing favors to all these conservatives, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Because I think that another platform, this is the interesting thing. If you're a Twitter stockholder, I think you have to start questioning what's going on because Twitter is intentionally destroying themselves. And it's fun to watch from the outside because they have no rhyme or reason to what they're doing beyond, oh, you're conservative. Yeah, you're gone. There's this isn't like, oh, they did something bad. We can point to this guy posted child porn. No, this is just, oh, you're you're conservative. That's enough. I, I think that already happened. Uh when about the time that that they were banning Trump, I think uh, there was a group of Twitter shareholders who sued the company because they considered Trump's Twitter account to be a company asset worth millions of dollars that for unrelated political reasons Twitter destroyed a company asset. That that was how they alleged it in the lawsuit. I rightfully think that lawsuit so. is has already been filed. Yeah, rightfully so, because we all know about audiences and what people can bring in. It's the same whether you're talking about the nightly news, your favorite television show, your favorite podcast. I mean, Grumpy Old Ben's were number one. But there are certain uh, the more eyeballs you get, the more ears you get, the more money you can make. So with Donald Trump, why he decided to use Twitter, except, you know, I guess the fact that it was there. People were telling him for a couple of years, at least. You know, go to something like Gab or go to something which, you know, like the uh, Fediverse. And I mean, I get it because you want to go where the people are. If you're Ryan Bemrose, if you're Darren O'Neill, you know, if you're cold acid of rare encounter with Abel Kirby, then you go to Twitter because that's where the people are. But when you're Donald Trump's level, that's when you can go, hey, everybody, I'm going to Trumper coming to Trumper with me. And he would have brought. I, I think he could. And the signs were certainly there that Twitter was already turning into an authoritarian leftist shithole before Trump became president. But I don't think anybody saw how much it was going to ramp up. And I think it made total sense for you don't want to have to create a brand new network if there's one that already fills your needs. And it looked like it filled his needs when he started back in 2015, when he started campaigning. Right. And I've been told, uh, I, I think. Both Abel Kirby and Cold Acid are off of Twitter now. So, see, there are people dropping Twitter. Yes. Yes. I, I remember hearing uh, when Abel Kirby did it, he announced it on Rare Encounter, which means that I and two other people knew about it. <laughs> wow. See this again. Podcast. Oh. You want oh, more, pe- more people listening <laughs> and you should definitely check out rareencounter.net. Yes. It's, yes. But this is where the social media is a this, good show because they mention us once in a while. Yeah. Well, Twitter became popular because of Ashton Kushner, unless I'm remembering this incorrectly. That was the really 
Well, no, no, no. It it became popular because of John C. Dvorak. (laughs) No, no. It came later. It became (laughs) it became somewhat known because of JCD and Leo Laporte. But then all of a sudden the war. I mean, that was with tech people. Yeah. Twitter was that actually the realm of the techies for a while. And then I think it was Ashton that came on and all of a sudden millions of people followed and it went from and we talked about this, I think, on a post show once. The the battles that Leo and JCD were having for the most followers on Twitter was all fun and dandy until, you know, and they had like what, you know, a couple hundred thousand. And then Kushner came in and had millions and it was like, oh, well, this one's over. Yeah, I vaguely recall Britney Spears was early on there, too. But yes, I, I given that I never bothered with a Twitter account back then, I just. I just remember paying attention to podcasters that I listened to who were uh, had to mention how many Twitter followers they had every single show. It's like, I got an extra 37 followers this week and I'm up to 10,134. Well, and if Twitter would have stayed the course like the Fediverse, which didn't ban people, which didn't blacklist people, then it could be a great thing. It could be a great way to communicate with people around the world. But once the authoritarians come you, in, you, you mean if, if they remained an open platform yes. that was available for free speech? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, that hurts the bottom line, I guess, in this wokest of worlds. And we saw this coming for years. But, but banning people like Donald Trump hurts the bottom line financially, demonstrably, mathematically, as opposed to the the oh, he's fomenting hate, but we can never measure that type of rhetoric from the wokest. Well, yeah, because they like the hate. They do like the hate. They, well, yes, but only the hate that they, you know, they only right. like hate that they generate. You know, but we saw this a- anything, coming. With, anything they've called hate, they've labeled hate. They don't want, they don't like that. And where you know, this really started speech. was off of the social media. If people remember, Media Matters was where this all really started with them it doesn't really. going after, you know, Glenn Beck and Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh. This all the the deplatforming craze, kids, the dance craze, sweep of the nation, the deplatform started with Media Matters going after the advertisers for all of these conservative television and radio people. And the problem was the advertisers bought it. The advertisers caved and went, oh, yeah. no, some moron I never heard of at some website I never heard of came to me and said, this guy's bad. So we pulled our ads from Limbaugh. You know, it, it, it's ridiculous. And, and don't get me wrong. The media matters. People are a bunch of douchebags, like genuinely evil a-holes. But the the real blame here is on uh, these idiot middle managers who are like, oh, a little bit of controversy. I guess we ought to just completely blow it out of proportion and and destroy one of our assets by firing a popular host. Because three people on Twitter started whining that he did something sometime in his past. Yes. And it's amazing what companies will buckle to now, which is quite often like one person on Twitter saying something. It's like, when did the total lack of understanding scale, the whole lack of understanding context, the whole, you know, it just blows my mind that complete careers are ruined. Companies are toppled. Because one mental midget on social media had a bug up their ass and posted something. 
The only regret I have about the situation is that the process that leads to economic failure by a company putting woke decisions ahead of useful financial decisions is far, far too slow. And these idiots can make a lot of noise and do a lot of damage on their way down. Well, and a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of money when they're taking these people out. Uh, but, you know, TikTok- well, they're making they're making a lot less money by being woke than than they are. Like Twitter was on a trajectory to be doing a hell of a lot better before they decided banning half the country was the way to go. Well, yeah, but Hey, look, here's our set of potential users, but let's go ahead and ban half of them because of what they think. Well, yeah, but wasn't the real problem there is that Twitter had no idea how to monetize what they had. Well, that, that was a problem early. Um, now they put ads on every single page. I think they're doing all right with that. Well, and the people won't, this goes back to media matters. The people won't advertise if there's dangerous content. So this is, I mean, I can almost get behind a company like Twitter going, we have to get rid of all what is considered, you know, controversial speech, because then we, if we don't, we won't have advertisers. If we don't have advertisers, we don't have a platform. And then, yeah, this is where it all breaks down. What what you just described has always been Adam Curry's point from, from the, uh, from no agenda where he says that if you, you know, you you can't blame companies for bowing to advertisers because the problem is not that these people are making bad decisions. They're making rational financial decisions based on having chosen the advertising model, which it seems like, a, you know, it seems like a total winner and that's why everyone's doing it. But uh, the the claim, at least as, as I understand it from uh, Adam Curry on No Agenda, is that it is inherent to the advertising model that you are by by signing into that model you are now beholden to work for and are censored by the whims of the advertisers and advertisers are incredibly risk averse they are controversy averse they don't want to be associated with anything that anybody complains about and douchebags like media matters organization are taking advantage of that by creating a controversy and making a hell of a lot of noise where very 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 few people even care but the brand doesn't want the bad pr being generated by that sensationalist noise and then the noise is being stoked by the news media who are in it for themselves and in it for their own overlords and really not serving anybody, but still seem to have a lot of attention. And the result is that uh, people will self-censor because of the chilling effect of any controversy on the advertising model will kill your business. And yet I don't think any social media site has started up with the concept of Pay 20 bucks a year and you have access to it and people can say whatever they want. Free speech. I mean, obviously, well, I'm, I'm sure there have been social media sites that started up that way. Funny thing, how they probably didn't grow big enough for us to really notice them. Maybe. I mean, if somebody knows of one that did, feel free to email me because I'd like to know exactly how that went, because it would seem like a concept that maybe is worth trying, because when once there's no advertisers then it's really like the value for value model that we use. No agenda uses, which is everybody's got their skin in the game. You pay your 20 bucks a year to keep everything going and you have access to this service. It's not really that much to ask for, especially because it would be completely ad free. And I think people would enjoy that. 
more, but I, and I heard an interesting take on this from, from one of our experts, Sir Gene, who, uh, has started his own podcast and i have to apologize to you sir gene i i've only recently started listening to your back episodes but you put out a lot of content uh but he made a really good point uh regarding uh exactly what you said where if if you're at this point if you create a, a centralized social media that isn't free you are never going to enjoy the network effect and your your site will die on the vine unless you the the only way around that is to keep your topics extremely niche. Like it's very possible to uh, create such a thing around, you know, using uh, the, the diehard fans of a particular piece of media or something and say, yeah, you need to toss in five bucks and you get access to the fan site for, you know, my records or something. But for the most part in today's day and age, uh, you are, not going to get the network effect if you limit your users by putting things in front of a paywall. And even though $5 a year shouldn't be a lot, and most people can find that in their pocket underneath a cat or something. Um, the moment that it goes from zero to one cent to one penny a year, then that's a big wall in front of people. And they're like, Oh no, I don't want to pay. And that that's a psychological hurdle. that's hard to get by. Yes. Uh, the point that Sir Gene made is, uh, when he called these, he called them centralized social media. Uh, and you know, come to think of it, it might not have been Sir Gene, but somebody, somebody <laughs> called it that. And I'm going to blame it on him anyway. So you're, okay. Hey. Wait. So you're telling everybody, Sir Gene is great. You should listen to him. And then you're like, well, maybe it was some other guy, but, uh, well, it, maybe it was, but you should listen to Sir Gene anyway. The dude is an expert. Yes. His podcast uh, is Sir Gene speaks and it's G E N E. And he yes. actually has transcripts and, I, I, what I like is in his about this episode, I don't know if this is all or just the most recent. I recommend listening at 1.25 speed. No, don't tell me to listen faster. <laughs> no, not going to no, do how that. About you, how about you? If you think that that's the right way that your podcast should be listened to, yes. then, then speed it up in post, edit it. Yes. Talk <laughs> faster, Sergene. Talk faster. Get your boards out faster. That way people won't have to speed yeah. it up. That way you can just get everything about no, that'll work. I recommend that people listen to Grumpy Old Ben's at 2x speed because Darren and I talk so slow that actually, no, you'll you'll probably get an aneurysm that way. If you listen at 20x, I mean, the show flies by and you just absorb the information. Yes. No, no, you don't. No, that's, oh. that's a, there's no there's actually studies that the faster you listen, the lower your chance of absorbing. Now, uh, if you are absorbing only 80 percent at 2x speed and you're saving time, then maybe that's worth it to you. But but. That's a different thing entirely. Yeah. Speaking of making money on social media, TikTok is about to formally enter the e-commerce space, according to Tech Radar, mirroring a bunch Did of it, other social media platforms, which uh, I don't know. Trump banned those guys. He tried. But, you know, now Uncle Joe's in. So, you know, Uncle Joe is OK with them. Uh, they're launching a feature that will allow popular users to share products and earn commissions at some point. So, wait, doesn't this just sound like. uh Everything that's already going on. I mean, are they not allowed at this point? Maybe it's the case. I don't know if this, that's the one thing TikTok bans. If you like go on TikTok and go, hey, I like this microphone I've been using. It's great. You should buy it. Here's a link. I don't know. Maybe they don't allow that. I honestly, no, there has been no point in my life, even in the the depths of depression or the highs of way too much alcohol. There has never been a point where I've been like, you know, I should get on TikTok. 
But it's wait, never happened. They're saying this is going to like mimic QVC. It's going to be the new QVC for the new generation. Isn't that yeah, exciting? We already had that. We had that in 1996. <laughs> it was called eBay. <laughs> no, <laughs> eBay didn't have a television channel where people could come on and schlock products and be like, hey, look, look how much whiter your teeth could get if you use Sir Bemrose teeth whitening. Wait, wait, don't I, mention the fact uh, that the guy screaming. The, the Dark Sewer Network are the ones marketing that. Yeah, the Dark Sewer Network's the place to go instead of TikTok to, to get all of your, your products. It's interesting because there was a story that we never got to weeks ago that was on my list until I was just like, eh, I don't know if we should even talk about it. Is it interesting? But with the TikTok thing, it makes a little more sense because it was in regards to YouTube. This was a story I saw maybe a month, month and a half ago, which is YouTube trying to be the next QVC. What do we need a new QVC? No, we don't need another QVC. We don't even need the QVC that we have. I mean, this concept that I mean, maybe 2020 needs it because a whole lot of people found themselves sitting on the couch, staring at the TV going, huh? I wonder if there's a channel where I can waste money on useless garbage and have it delivered. Right. It's not like it's something you really need because that would rarely ever happen. I mean, YouTube is already selling products, whether they want to admit it or not, including, you know, the podcast. Of course they are. Uh, There's, you know, people that are on there, our buddy Bandrew, who is a no agenda listener as well, that reviews a bunch of this stuff. It's like, well, you're affecting people's buying decisions that doing all these reviews and stuff, even though, I mean, he's not making money with affiliate links. I guess maybe that's the difference, which is. Which also makes everything questionable because it's one thing if a company sends you a product like a microphone to review and you get to keep it. That's that's one thing. But when it's actually like, hey, I'm going to tell you about this microphone and then I'm going to make my money if you buy it, because once you're making money, if somebody buys something, it could be the biggest piece of crap in the world and you're not going to make any money unless they buy it. So, of course, you're going to lie to people or at the very least. You're going to make the narrative sound like it's not the biggest piece of crap in the world. And this, um, marketing. Yes, you love marketing. Oh, what you just described is is the part of marketing that makes me not that, that makes me decide that the entire bathwater baby and all needs to go out. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's so that's what's coming to TikTok. That's what's probably coming to YouTube. And uh, oh, well, with TikTok, did you do the. Uh, did you do the silhouette challenge? I, I want to see this. If you did, I did not. You didn't. I don't know what this is, and and I'm happy for it. But <laughs> something tells me you're about to shatter my bliss. <laughs> the silhouette challenge on TikTok is basically people making a video with a red filter that makes everything look like a silhouette. And I guess I hate it already because. People are stupid. They don't understand how video works. And it turns out because when you take the silhouette challenge, the end video that's being posted, you just see the silhouette. I mean, we all know what a silhouette is. And that is what people think the camera is picking up. So there's, I guess, a lot of people who's getting naked to do the silhouette challenge and don't understand. That this is just adding red and and adjusting the contrast. Wait, wait, are there? Okay, how do TikTok filters work? Is this like the 
Is this like the the Instagram filters, or is like I'm assuming there's yes. a couple ways. There's a couple ways to do it. One is uh, that the filter is baked into the file when it's saved to the disk, or otherwise applied so that the file that you're uploading has only the silhouette or only the filtered thing. And then there's the other one where you upload the raw picture, and the social network will then uh, use an algo to attach the filter to it and put the the cat ears on right. your image or the whiskers or whatever the hell it did whatever stupid post uh, and i guess which which one is like i had a phone a while back where if you take a picture it had uh the the little drop down that i stayed the hell away from that was like put cat whiskers on your face or or you know mouse ears or something and if you did that it would save the raw photo and then put some metadata that said, when I'm viewing the photo in this app, it will post apply the mouse ears to it. And the result was when I uploaded the photo to my hard drive, I got the raw photo without it. And I, I was actually a little disappointed. But <laughs> you thought you wanted well, that's what I'm thinking of when you say people, <laughs> when you say silhouette, because now what you have, if, if, if the silhouettes are done that way in TikTok, and I'm just speculating here. Then what you have is straight up porn with a filter. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I, from what people are able to then download and reimagine, if you will, by using other filters, the thing they're getting has the filter baked in. What does TikTok have access to that? I'm not sure because I haven't hacked the code (laughs) and I don't know. I would only assume that TikTok has closed source your original video as well. But the reality of this is, it's just changing the brightness contrast and taking the color out, you know, and adding the red in order to make the silhouette effect. Now, if you've ever used Photoshop, you, you know, do that shit. There's a lot of ways to filter colors out. The, I mean, I've seen photo, just regular photographs that you think are totally lost, that they're so dark, you can't even make the people out. And by running a few, you know, run it through a screen on Photoshop, run it through a a filter that Photoshop even has for highlights and for shadows. And you know what? All of a sudden you could pull out a pretty decent image where you look at the original. You're like, oh, wow, I couldn't even tell who this was. But after processing it, there's still enough information there to make you very recognizable to actually get a decent image out of it. I mean, there's. Uh, especially if your if your image hasn't been compressed all the hell and back there's there's a lot of information in there that is not really visible to the eye but is in the data yes this this principle by the way is what's used by uh all you know all 1200,000 of the the TV forensic cop shows when when they're like well Pause. we've got a enhance yeah, enhance Zoom. enhance <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's i mean it, it is the the stuff that you see in in procedural dramas tends to be complete and utter fiction like like uh you know we've got a picture of a wall here and we know that our suspect is behind the wall can you just remove the wall from the image and it'll show <laughs> right right oh I mean, yeah i mean that's that's the kind of plot point you'd see in a procedural drama but the idea of enhancing a photo it does have some basis in reality and there's a lot of like I said, if you haven't JPEG the crap out of your photo, then there's going to be a hell of a lot. And even if you do, there's going to be a lot of data in there that just doesn't show up on the screen 
in a lot of cases. So yeah, you can pull that out. Right. So thinking so what that- you're saying is, is people are posting silhouette videos on yes. TikTok, Yes. And other people are downloading the videos, running it through Photoshop and getting free porn. More or less. Yeah. And of course they're, they're mad at YouTube for not immediately taking down all the instructions on how to de silhouette red filter it. It's like, um, because um, it's I, I, not illegal. To- I mean, that's reason number 7,414 to be mad at YouTube. Yeah. It's like, this is uh, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Although, as we've talked about in the past, especially with TikTok, tell your kids and get your kids off of TikTok and all of these platforms, yeah. because it's amazing to me what is being posted on these sites by young, especially females. It seems like the guys not so much into it, but the younger females seem to like dancing around on TikTok. And if you think you're safe because you put a filter on it, uh, no, there's a lot of data there. You know, and- there's so many problems online that could be resolved by just taking a couple minutes to familiarize yourself with w- before you start using a technology to familiarize yourself with what the hell it's doing. Yes. But I mean, kids are dumb. And I mean, if you're, yeah, you're- and parents are dumb for letting the kids be dumb online. Yes. Well, that's true, too. But, you know, kids that are doing this are like, oh, look, they can't see me because it's I'm all it's blacked out. It's a silhouette. But no, the information is there. Any parent that takes the time to figure out what TikTok is doing is going to be pretty like pretty helicopter around a kid trying to use it. And that's I did have to at least check out one of these YouTube videos because I'm like, I've used Photoshop. I know how to pull out because I've seen photos online that had that red. And it's like, oh, yeah, you same kind of a concept. It's like, well, you know how you fix that? You know, you take it out. Well, you go in, you adjust the brightness and contrast and you desaturate it. And you now have a black and white photo that you can actually see. Same thing. So I don't know why they're upset that oh, this information is out there. It's like you're not teaching people how to make, you know, a bomb. <laughs> you're showing them how to use Photoshop and how to how to filter something. It's not. Well, fortunately, Adobe is protecting your kids by making Photoshop so incredibly difficult to <laughs> learn. It's easy. Very few people can actually do what you do. There is the GIMP. There are other ways to do this, but uh, I mean, Photoshop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Photoshop is hard to use. Let's direct people to the GIMP. There's a winning strategy. <laughs> hey, if you can't afford nine bucks a month or whatever Photoshop. I mean, they, it's I know not can- about cost. It's about a number of dials that have stupid little icons. You have no idea what they do or that there's a function there. Well, just like with women, you just have to keep twisting the dials until one of them works. Yeah, I got slapped that way. Okay, <laughs> a lot probably too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, you know you, the the stuff Photoshop oh. can do today, the compared to what it could do even ten years ago, is amazing. They have continually refined a few of these filters, and the one that still just blows my mind because it just works like nine out of ten times without having to do much after it is to select an area of a photo. And choose content aware fill, which means it looks at all the data of the photo and goes, huh, if I'm removing this, what do I think should be behind? And it works so well. It's scary. I I mean, a lot of the Photoshop uh, effects that you can apply out there are basically let's go ahead and spin up an AI and apply it to this photo. The lines are blurred there. I mean, there is some serious computation going on back there on uh, borderline magic it is it is magic and that's why you need to teach your kids anything they post online 
it's going to be misused. And I guess you also have to teach them. Don't believe everything you see. We go back to that, too, which I guess is good. If your kids accidentally posted porn of themselves, you could just go. No, no, that's a deep fake. That's that's so I had wanted to talk about Indian farmers. Indian farmers. I mean, like Native yes. Americans. You mean um, like India? Over I, I, this in- is actually something I had, had left over from my notes on Friday, uh, but it's it's worth mentioning because it's something coming up. It was also mentioned very briefly, but uh, not discussed in depth very much on No Agenda the other day. Um, I- India is uh, having some some protest problems. Um, they are uh, <laughs> like the United States. You mean protest yes. problems like slash riots? Yeah, except except places outside the U.S. They know how to peacefully protest for real. I mean, shit gets broken and burned down. Okay. Um, how about they protest about important things? Um, so India under uh their their prime minister Narendra Modi who is apparently not very well liked by uh, a lot of these people who are protesting. Wait, politicians um, aren't well liked. Yeah. Who knew India passed three laws back in September, the farmer produce and trade and commerce ordinance, which allows farmers to trade outside of their state because uh, India's India's farming industry has been for the last decade or so um, pretty uncompetitive, but strongly propped up by uh, market limitations, uh, by uh, subsidies, by the um, yeah, they have a they have a market uh, that that's called. I can't find it. it's it's in here and I'll find it in a moment, but I have too much text in front of me. Um, but they have they have a, a local market that everybody is expected to come to and uh, and sell a certain amount. And. so. India is trying to deregulate these these markets, these uh, the the farming industry. And uh, the problem is that the farmers are going to initially lose their shirt on this because Indian farming is pretty inefficient. It's uh, nearly half the population of India is in agriculture, but they haven't really invested for the most part in a lot of automation. And it's all small town farmers. Um, In fact, they don't allow corporate farming much at all um and it's subsidized which introduces inefficiencies automatically um so they are allowing farmers to trade outside of their state uh they are allowing farmers to enter contracts outside of markets and allowing farmers to enter contracts to sell produce before the produce is grown which is apparently a big change um, and they are removing most of the price controls and deregulating the markets and removing some subsidies. All of these laws passed in September. They were not particularly popular with a lot of the farmers who were happy with the way things were. So there's protests. Um, uh, a lot of the farmers are now claiming they say that, uh, you know, any private buyers will undercut the fixed prices from. Oh, there's the word Mandy M-A-N-D-I. That is the. The name of a government regulated market. I knew it was in my notes. I just write too much text on this thing. Um, the, they claim that, uh, you know, the Mandy's where you can go to market and you know that if you grow 27 tomatoes, that each one of them will fetch precisely this many, this much money. Right. Um, and they're saying that if they are thrown upon the mercy of the free market, they're not going to have that guarantee anymore and there will be uncertainty which is true welcome to capitalism um 
They also have a concern. They say corporations will take over by hoarding and becoming monopolies. That is, in fact, a concern. And if you deregulate in the wrong way, that tends to happen. Um, I don't know if the government of India are savvy enough to recognize the threat, uh, but it, I, I think it's a valid concern. And it's certainly one of the things they're protesting over. Uh, the funny thing is that the protests, as as one does in the 21st century, are being coordinated over Twitter. And that's where this becomes a tech story. Um, there is a hashtag Modi planning farmer genocide. So they're not really a fan of this Modi guy. Uh, <laughs> well, um, as any government that doesn't really have strong freedoms in mind will do, um, they notice that Twitter is being used to coordinate these protests. And therefore, what do you think that the India technology ministry decided to do? Let's shut down Twitter in India. Oh, we haven't quite gone that far yet. Um, they did, however, ask Twitter to start blocking accounts and to block any content that opposes these reforms. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. So, yes, before we block the evil Silicon Valley company, we ask them to be evil with us first. Yes. And Twitter was for a couple months. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, Twitter uh, suddenly reversed their position. Uh, and this this, by the way, this happened. Uh, roughly the same week, and we we had another Twitter story. I think Uganda, where oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Twitter election. Twitter was claiming that we support free speech in the very week that they are banning Trump because they don't like what he says, and they're banning conservatives in the U.S. because apparently free speech is not for conservatives. They pissed off the government of Uganda by bucking the Ugandan uh, Ministry of Information. And claiming free speech. They also did the same thing in India. Uh, they claim that, uh, you know, Twitter seems, uh, let's see. Yeah. They, they claim that, that in the interest of free speech, they are no longer going to be blocking the accounts of the protesting farmers. Um, the Indian government official said, uh, uh, Twitter seems to be following a dual standard in India. True. Uh, and it says, will it promote a genocide hashtag in Europe or the U.S.? Valid question. Um, is is India right for deciding that censorship is the way to go? I don't think so. Is Twitter hypocritical as crap trying to claim free speech in all of these other countries and yet censoring things in the U.S.? Hell yeah. Um, India's well, laws. Yeah, I just oh, wonder. Yeah. Where, yes. especially with things like Uganda, when you're dealing with governments that are fairly radical, I mean, I'm not calling for violence. Let's, let's just be clear about that. But if I was Jack Dorsey or the CEO of one of these companies and you piss off the wrong dictator, yeah, I'm not so sure some of these people wouldn't try to have you snuffed out. Well, Jack Dorsey's never going to be flying to India anymore because <laughs> the. Uh, the the current India law uh, says that the technology ministry has uh, its at its own discretion. It may support fines and up to seven years in jail for the executive of any company that uh, that violates their rules. So um, India has not gone quite so far as to ban Twitter in the country. Although people, you know, in light of the Uganda case, people are talking about doing it there too. Uh, but more, you know, more importantly, at this point, if Jack Dorsey ever flew to New Delhi, 
or, or Bangladesh, uh, or no, that's a country. I don't know. Could be jail. The city. And, Jesus, my, my geography is off right now. But if, if he ever flew to India, um, he'd be facing jail time. Maybe rightfully uh, then, so. Um, in, in the, so the one thing that has happened so far that I'm aware of is, uh, and this is not just Twitter, um, on the outskirts of New Delhi, uh, the government has in fact shut down the internet in order to quote, maintain public order. So this story is going to get bigger, you know, and that's what we kind of have to fear here in the United States, but it's happening in a different way because they're not shutting off the internet. They're just stopping the freedom, the free flowing of speech by using these companies to do it. I mean, if you totally shut off the internet, then you have way more problems, I think going on, but, I don't know if if we totally shut off the internet, then maybe professor Ted would be, I mean, he's right. (laughs) I I think people are over socialized. And if we shut off the internet, maybe that would help that it cause all kinds of other problems, kill lots of people, but Hey, you know, that's, that's the spirit of the lockdowns. The internet's very useful besides people just communicating. You know, that's, there's a lot of these systems (laughs) that now work. I mean, I mean, you use the phrase unintended consequences before that seems to be the, the, the theme of the last 14 months. Yes. Well, right. Because you're trying to, as we've talked about before, you can't put a genie back in the bottle, no matter how much Christina Aguilera may have told you you could. The problem is the tech is here when it comes to things that we've talked about, like encryption and all of this, you can't go back. You can't be like, well, let's pretend we never had this technology because people do. So it's it's going to be a fairly interesting yeah. thing to watch because technologies tend to be hard to uninvent, no matter how authoritarian you want to get about it. The the concept of things like Twitter, if they want, like we have the story too again of Google saying, well, we're just going to pull out of Australia if they continue to piss us off and want us to pay for things. I mean, Twitter has the ability to go. Well, we can shut off India. Well, the question, though, is how much money does it cost them to shut off India? Because if then if there's another social media platform where India's on it and you have friends in India, well, then you're probably going to that platform. Yeah. So, yeah, shutting down Twitter is not going to help because they'll just go to Facebook and they'll go somewhere else. But, but it's amazing how they, they want to go after the platforms, just like they were doing with the capital insurrection. That, oh, no, these were all people on Gab or Parler. It's like, no, they're on the same sites everybody else is, which is mainly Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. This is where people are communicating. And we know this is now the next level of where this is all going. Are these things like uh, the Signal and these other social media platforms where uh, not social media, these instant messaging platforms where people think. They're communicating privately and <laughs> guess again. I, I think the fix for this is decentralization. Yes. The, the, the you know, go, you can't, it used to be you'd, if, if a small group of people were causing trouble, you'd go arrest them. But now, uh, if social media has allowed people to decentralize the actual activism and a lot of people who all believe the same thing are kind of acting and it's really hard to crack down on that. But if you you just look for choke points and right now, when people are organizing on social media, the choke point is the social media platform. I really 
you know, for, for all that we rail on them, I would not want to be running a social media platform in 2021 because everybody's gunning for them. Everyone that that is, it is the choke point for our way of, of communicating everything. All ideas go through these centralized places. And this is the point that, that I was trying to attribute to Sir Gene, which is that this, the, the problem is that our communication is centralized in ways that it never was before. Almost all of our public communication seems to go through Facebook, through Twitter, through you know, four or five social networks that are the, the choke points for everything we communicate. <laughs> and if we're going to, are you I'm laughing at me? I'm sorry, Fletcher just said, is he getting paid for every time he says choke point? And then he said choke point again. Damn. Uh, did, um, the trolls are on point today. And Sir Matthew also yeah, said he believes he heard your cat. I heard the cat too. I don't yeah, know. Yes. Oh, did it did it come through the gate this time? That yeah. motherfucker needs to shut up. I've been trying not to <laughs> Well, last time you said you heard the cat, but it yes. didn't come through in the troll room, so I just thought I'd ignore it and hope that it went away. But no, he's 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 performing a sonnet over here right now it sounds like a good one i mean the final recording may not have it it all depends on our our super special sauce that everything goes through but uh the the problem with the communications is it travels beyond borders which means it travels among a bunch of different jurisdictions there's not one rule one law to rule them all although we may get that at some point but this is the issue like we talked about in the last episode i think it was the Poland and Hungary going after the social media saying you have to allow anything that's legal to be said on the street here. You need to allow that on your platform. Otherwise, we're going to fine you. It's going yeah. to be really interesting to see how this all shakes and out. That that movement is coming about. And I know damn well that that pendulum is going to swing entirely the wrong way. Government regulation always does that. And yes, people like Twitter need to be knocked down a peg or two. And so I support that. But but coming out and putting more restrictions on what people can do, it, it always goes wrong. So I'm not sure that's the solution. I think the solution is if if you are being subject to a a single company and a single point of censorship in your social media bottleneck. Thank you. Thesaurus dot com. <laughs> the solution is to decentralize the solution is to go to something like mastodon like pleroma to to stop using the same you know, one control point for where all of your stuff can be censored by going to one company and yeah i think i think the show title has to be choke point and i do want to thank john fletcher of the hog story fletchers and cold acid yes. and everybody that and comes if you want to hear if you want to hear more about what John Fletcher wants to choke, listen to Hog Story this evening at 5 p.m. Left Coast. Hogstory.net. But this is what yes. we enjoy about having a live chat room while we're doing the show, because sometimes what's going on in the troll room is more entertaining than what we're doing. And that's how we react to it. And we appreciate and, and that's it. why I'm trying to ignore you know, between the chat room and the cat. It's like I'm being upstaged from both sides. <laughs> the cat is really going. I mean, he's, he's doing a performance, no doubt about it. And we appreciate we'd get the kind of mic we need. Like Hog Story has nature <laughs> mic. 
we need growly Mike or whatever, whichever cat that is. That's uh, yeah, that's growly. Yeah, he's he's the deaf one. So he has absolutely no idea how loud he is. He's singing loud and singing proud. But we have a bunch of experts that show up when we do these shows live Monday and Friday at noon Eastern time. And I guess that would be a good time to thank those experts that came in who took part in the value for value model that we use here, which is we do these shows. We put them out there. We hope you get some value from them. And if you do, I mean, if you're listening right now, you have to have gotten some value from the show. The question is how much and then getting that to us. I will say I heard from an expert who did jump on to our two miners Ethereum mining thing the other day, which I still think is a great way to generate funds from a large audience completely it's definitely novel and interesting and totally geeky which is one of the reasons i support it yes i mean it's only like pennies per hour for people that have normal machines that don't have the sure. big bad cards but you know if you let it run I overnight think, I mean, we're not we're certainly not going to get wealthy off of this method but i no. think it's cool as hell yes and it's very similar to me to what adam curry is doing with the podcast 2.0 thing where you're talking micro payments this is kind of micro payments, but instead of feeding the wallet with you actually putting money into it, it's just run your GPU and they'll take care of everything else. You're giving. Yeah, so so you send money to your power company. Right. And it. Yeah. And that way it's completely untraceable. Nobody knows who jumps on. I mean, there are IDs that you can put in when you are doing mining. So if you're like, hey, I want to get recognized by grumpy old Ben's for doing the mining you can put a unique ID in and say, hey, look, here's me. And then we can actually see how much you're putting in. But for most people, it's going to just be pennies, which is great. But if everybody jumps in on that, you can generate some uh, some decent funds. I mean, we're, again, we're not going to get rich, but it's the ultimate. And you're just running your graphics card for a while and money just appears. It's a beautiful thing. But we also have the normal ways, you know, the way people are normally sending money like PayPal which we have a button on grumpyoldbens.com, which says donate. That takes you to PayPal where you can do a one-time donation or you can do a monthly donation, set it up there. You can use the QR code or our Bitcoin address if you want to go Bitcoin. I guess I still need to add our Ethereum address if you want to go Ethereum. Like I said, if there's other Bitcoin type things, if there are other coins that you're using, I know Dogecoin, Dogecoin, what Dogecoin is up to like seven cents or something. Cold acid was all jitty about that. If you're using something and you want to use that, just let us know. I'm sure we can get a wallet. Not that hard. And we also have the snail mail way, which I love because you just send it in. You go to your, especially when you're doing auto bill pay, you don't even have to write the check. Your bank will do it. You don't have to buy an envelope. Your bank will do it. You don't have to buy a stamp. Your bank will do it. And then nobody takes a percentage like PayPal does or Bitcoin transactions and that. So it's a beautiful thing. And we appreciate everybody that comes in. We do have co-dueling executive producers today who both came in with $25. The first is Eric VM, who included a note saying, keep them coming. Sir Eric VM? Yes, Sir Eric VM, Baron of the Valley, and he calls himself Expert Eric here on Grumpy Old Ben's. See, he is keeping within our ecosystem. Sir, expert. Right. Eric VM. <laughs> Do we have to add the Sir on Grumpy Old Ben's in soon, reference soon to, to be guru, right. Sir Eric? Expert PM. Expert, sir. There's a lot of titles. Experts, yes. (laughs) A lot of X. Yeah. A lot of titles that we just keep adding on and it all works. And uh coming in also with 25 bucks, our buddy uh, Reese. Titles are titles are like penis length, more the better. 
That's what she said. Reese here, Grump Old Ben Nation. Let's go from Canada with respect. Oh, yeah, if you may see Reese in the uh, troll room every now and then. There's a lot of Canadians. I mean, I guess it's boring up in Canada, just as it is here, and people are hanging out in the troll room. And we appreciate the support from Eric VM and Reese. And coming in next, Sir Jackson in West Texas. So there's a another no agenda folk. We need if we only needed a jingle that says no agenda donation. That would be like ninety eight percent of the donations. <laughs> that, that that'd be most of them. Yeah, yeah. They come into our show, and he just a note just says in the morning, gents. Again, reference to No Agenda, the best damn podcast in the universe. You can, too, listen to No Agenda if you go to the NoAgendaStream.com or if you go to NoAgendaShow.net, get all of the latest episodes, hook yourself up, and get punched in the mouth. It's it's a great thing. You want to get punched in the mouth or hit. I mean, I guess maybe punch is too violent. And coming in with a Bitcoin donation, it is the little CSB donation, which is point zero 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 three 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 Bitcoin. Coming in from Brandon Hall says, hi, Darren, been a listener for a while now, sending you some money via pyramid scheme, which is I know we've we've referred to <laughs> Bitcoin as the pyramid hey, scheme. And it's back up to like 43,000 today. You know what? Pyramid schemes can, can be a viable way to make money as long as you've got a chair when the music stops. Yes. Yeah. You, you want you don't want your money to still be in the pyramid scheme when it has crashed to the ground. Uh, but he said he wants to send the money via pyramid scheme before it goes to zero, which I think Bitcoin will eventually go to zero or close. And I know people are like, ah, he's a moron. It's at forty three thousand dollars. Ride the wave. But I, you know, I, I firmly believe that it will continue to go up uh, in proportion to the amount of financial unrest in the world that is being inflicted upon us by the autocratic class. And we'll continue to go up right up until one of them decides to use some kind of uh, threat of force from the government to shut everything down. And then we'll see what happens. You know, it might even survive that at least the first time. You know, but what happens to Bitcoin when every government in the world decides that it's a threat and all ban it simultaneously? Right. Which, you know, it. Because if if one government does it, you know, the rest of them will jump on. That's something that we saw with the lockdowns, for example. Well, yeah, like you said, with the IRS, if the United States government yeah. says, if you own Bitcoin after January 1st of next year, it is a federal offense. <laughs> well, uh, you can bet your ass. And, and I mean, there will be a, a very large number of Bitcoin boating accidents out there. Suddenly, <laughs> we got to bury the Bitcoin. There's a lot of people that have already done that accidentally. <laughs> they buried their Bitcoin, yeah. <laughs> man. I mean, we talked about that, I think, right? That there's like a, they believe maybe yeah. up, up to a quarter of all Bitcoin. Yeah, I did. A very large number of them <laughs> have just been lost because of lost passwords, uh-huh. which, is, which is also but, why. Oh, there's my a God, cat, you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> That's why a lot of people get afraid of the Bitcoin. Uh, there is there is bad news, though, from uh, Brandon Hall. He says, unfortunately, I might have to stop listening as the show provides too much value. And it's not sustainable. So we're giving too well, much hopefully, value. Hopefully I've helped you out here by inviting my cat to co-host on this show, which should reduce the value at least a little bit. No, I think that raises the value. That's like a Bitcoin going bull market. Oh. That is. That okay, is. Then, then I hope I've lowered the value of the show by trying to talk over my cat. We need some. Yeah, we need some. Uh, we need some growly coin. 
I mean, if Dogecoin could be a thing, why, why don't you come up with a growly coin and see if we can get people to, to uh, go out and mine that? I, yeah, I, how about no? <laughs> it's an idea, but those are it's the experts idea. for today's show. And I'll, I'll get growly right on that. Yeah, but just put the microphone right in front of him and see if he can get a good a good take on whatever he's saying, because it might be interesting. We, there may be people that are able to decode that with, you know, a special cat to human translator maybe just google i tell you what this this is a fantastic use of the transcription tag from from podcast (laughs) index to see right you want to see we won't transcribe what you and i are saying but we'll definitely make sure that the full transcription of the cat is available exactly on grumpy old ben's but we appreciate that and we hope you got something out of the show and then go over to grumpy or grumpy slash donate if you're really lazy get right to all the good stuff donate become an expert or like you may have heard on the previous episode and if you hadn't go back and listen to it we now have an official guru guru walkman of buckeye for donations totaling one thousand dollars or above it's a beautiful thing and and thank you to all of our experts for coming in for the the magic number show 133 i thought the magic number show is 333 well, no, the magic number shows our show was 128 and then, you know, 256 is the next one. Oh, you're going prime. I'm, I'm a little geeky. Yeah. Well, the little, a little, a little. Do you have any little. other tech stories? I mean, I'm no cold acid. Well, I, I mean, do have something very important. Okay. So, of course, I'm leaving it to the very end of the show of when everyone's already tuned out <laughs> right. because of their their fatigue of playing at 2x speed we always leave the most vital information in the show to the last few moments the story is cve 2021-21148 which is a scintillating name are you familiar with this one i i know that it would what it is but i don't know which particular uh, issue with a computer it is a system. vulnerability in chromium oh that's uh, a which bunch. means that it affects chrome it affects brave it affects affects the the chromium that i'm using it affects internet explorer um as for details i have no idea they're keeping very very quiet on this because uh it is already being exploited in the wild uh security researcher matthias bulens reported to google on 24th of january that this exploit was available two days later um he also reported that he was seeing it in the wild and the next day after that he reported that a korean hacker group was starting to target security researchers by trying to lure them to a honeypot site that was con- or that was exploiting this vulnerability well nothing wrong with a little honeypot yeah so uh google has claimed that they are not going to release the details of what exactly is going on until more browsers have been patched um so not going to be able to tell you many details however uh oh i'm sorry cold acid says not internet explorer it affects edge which coincidentally is the same fucking thing stop fact checking me but yeah well no they're different browsers Um, no they're the same thing well, now they are. If you have the latest Internet Explorer, use a Chromium. But the previous and everybody internet- should. Right. So <laughs> I don't update. <laughs> Mr. Don't update anything is now like, well, of course, everybody's updated. Well, uh, my recommendation is if you're using anything on Chromium, uh, make sure that you have updated to version 88, uh, 88.0.4324, which was or was released on Thursday. Um, 
This is a pretty serious thing because it's a zero day that already has exploits being dem- or demonstrated. And so you click on the wrong web page and you could be totally screwed over um, and not even know it because you might be, you know, you might be mining uh, Ethereum for some other podcast other than grumpy old Ben's and not even realize. Yeah, that's not good. Um the so the recommendation is if you have a chromium um make sure you get the engine up to version uh 88.0.4324 this is just any anything that runs the chromium engine which honestly is almost every browser out there now um the one other thing that we know for sure is that since it is a vulnerability in the v8 and javascript engine i'm safe turning off javascript makes you if you don't run JavaScript, you are not vulnerable. I'm not really saying that that's going to be the best solution. The best solution is just make sure that your browser has the current JavaScript engine. But um, just just had to throw in there that uh, yeah, if, if you if you're not running JavaScript on every page that you visit, it it you're you're a whole lot safer. But then how do I see all the pretty stuff? Uh. Well, you have to take a little bit of hallucinogens and then close your eyes and believe <laughs> that's okay. That's that's safer than using a browser. It is a lot Java. safer than using a browser with JavaScript. Yeah. Well, any browser <laughs> and this, I mean, if you're using things like Chromium, then you have to do this manually and update, which you have to be very vigilant when the browser doesn't have an auto update feature. Most do, which is good. But there was another Chrome extension issue from a extension which i wasn't familiar with but i guess it was called the great suspender and it seemed like it was interesting functionality which i can see why millions of people have installed it which if you're i think like you you've talked about leaving a bunch of tabs open my wife does drives me nuts i don't normally have more than a couple <laughs> tabs open at a time but what this does oh yeah this, I'm, I'm one of those people that would infuriate you yeah this is one of these things that's like well okay if the tab is left open long enough we'll put it into a suspend mode to save resources and the next time somebody comes back so if it if you let a tab sit there for days or hours it goes you know what this is probably not important to keep in a memory until this moron comes back for this and that's a great idea except it seems like the guy that came up with this great app this great browser extension that millions of people installed decided to sell it off to a a non-reputable company who is now installing malware Uh, there's a surprise I mean, that's that's happened to a lot of really useful utilities where like this was really great. And then it got sold off to somebody and now it's crap. Yes. Um, I mean, I don't blame the guy. I still have have Winamp 2 installed on my system, by the way, (laughs) because after after that, they sold out to AOL and and Winamp 4 was a steaming pile of hot garbage. I like AIMP, but that's that's another (laughs) that's another rabbit hole. But in this case. There's really no way to know something like this is happening except to go down your list of everything you have installed as an extension. One, get rid of anything you're not using, much like we tell people with WordPress. If you installed something to see what this add-on would do and then realized it didn't do the job, get it off the machine. Same thing with your add-ons when it comes to browsers, but you really should go and do some research on everything that you have installed 
And even if it's just to do a basic basic a news search somewhere that you would see, well, this was sold to somebody and you go, well, do I still trust yeah. the person that bought it? And and that's the trick. You know, you, we, we've discussed a, a fun exploit in terms of service for uh, it, that you just remind me of, which is uh, if somebody puts into their terms of service like we you know, we promise under pain of court that we will never sell your data to anyone. And then they just, instead of selling the data to somebody, they sell the whole company and Hey, look, it's out there. Right. That's because somebody else bought it in their terms of that's when you see like, Oh, our terms of service have changed. That should strike fear in your heart. I, I honestly hate whenever I see our terms of service have changed. I'm like, I hated reading this 80 page document the first time. You're making me do it again. Yes. For the three words that change that are the ones yeah. that will screw you. Well, that's the problem. Yeah. That's why you need a good app that can uh, look at two different documents and tell you what has changed. Those are worse. Yes. Yes. Because this, the problem with with terms of service being onerous is let's install another app. <laughs> Well, write it yourself. You're a coder. You know what you're doing, except when those extra well, commas I mean, come in. I mean, my technique when I have that is usually diff. D-I-F-F? Just, is that what you just said? Yeah. 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 It, it's a tool that is known by every coder. It's a, you you, Find you the run a diff between two text files, and it'll tell you exactly which lines changed. Genius. It's tremendously useful when those are source code yeah well i can i would imagine and people just need to keep up with this stuff and know what's on your system and don't blame the poor guy who wrote this and duped all of you into using his great tool which you found very very helpful until it wasn't you know this is kind of like the you know should there be a force turn off in uninstallation of an app like this kind of like the donald trump twitter followers you know because the Google, you know, the Play Store has this control. I mean, it's in the browser that if a browser uh, extension changes hands, at the very least, I think you should get a pop up like warning. This is this is now a different company in control of your data. But uh, I guess that's asking too much from these great big overlords that we we trust so much. And I think my browser would probably infuriate you. I have the setting on that says every time that I close the browser and restart, just bring back my current set of tabs. Why would you do that? That's insanity. <laughs> because I was looking at that. But, see, but you shouldn't. I mean, my wife uses the same excuse. <laughs> and I'm like, well, then just read it and then be done with it or bookmark it well, so you I, can I, go I, back. <laughs> bookmarks. Who the hell uses bookmarks <laughs> when I can just leave a tab open? <laughs> this is what happens when people have too much memory on their devices. Says the I, guy with 64 60. gigs is hardly enough i know i've got 64 and i'm like i could use more i could totally use more yeah i don't know yeah I, I can't you use 64 gigs because you do photoshop and editing and you know audio processing and i use 64 gigs because that's how much <laughs> how many tabs i have open in my browser yes he's got 8432 tabs open right now all with essential information and uh nobody believes that Nobody. I had I had one more story should be real quick because there's not a whole lot here, uh, but it has to do with the the maker of a game called Terraria. Terraria. Um, the Terraria, uh, which is uh, it, it's a the best description I've ever seen for Terraria is it's 2D Minecraft. Uh, it's a 
pretty popular game. They've sold 30 million copies. They're, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're not doing bad uh, across multiple platforms. Why don't um, we have a grumpy old Ben's game that can sell 30 million copies at 99 cents a piece and then we wouldn't have to podcast because anymore. i am not nearly as creative as andrew spinks the person who wrote this um terraria uh, you know have made they they started out on uh pc port but they were on uh yeah, they were on xbox 360 back in the day they ported to a lot of platforms ios etc um they were working on a port to the google stadia um are you you know what that is i do not that is google's google's uh cloud-based gaming platform oh uh, so it's the, like a steam yeah it's effectively a console but you can play it in chrome oh okay uh because the, this is most what of we've the been, game logic so this is like the kind of the vaporware that we heard for so many years yeah. like oh it'll just it'll all just exist yeah. in the cloud um at, at this point the uh, it, i i'm i haven't been following carefully because i'm i'm not sure that i'm all that interested in in playing on it but uh i know that google has a cloud platform i think nvidia either has or is working on one sony has one microsoft has one uh sony's and microsoft are probably the farthest along but that's because they both have uh you know they they repurposed a lot of their console things to let's Let's pretend, you know, let's just run the, all of the game logic on our servers and then push the, the display logic out to the client. And I mean, it's just kind of, they've already been doing that sort of thing. Also, Sony and Microsoft have the huge game libraries they can bring forth. Um, Google is trying to pop up with the Stadia and become a competitor in this space. But what they're not going to get is a port of Terraria. Uh, the reason for it is because three weeks ago, after not having posted a video in months, the Terraria YouTube account received a strike for a terms of service violation. Um, the uh, the founder, Andrew Spinks, who had happened to use his personal email account to create the YouTube account, uh, at first thought that it was a mistake because if, if you haven't posted a video in forever and you'd suddenly get a strike or an email saying you got a strike, well, what, what are you going to do? Well, he said, okay, I don't think this is much of anything. He might've even tried to call Google tech support, but, um, oh, right. That doesn't exist. Right. There's no so, phone number for Google. Um, uh, about a week later, presumably because he didn't respond to it. I'm not sure he didn't. He didn't take down the video that they didn't name for the terms of service violation that they didn't, they didn't describe mention, or right. explain. Um, they suspended his Gmail account. Um, this is the founder of the company who has now been banned access to all of his official G, uh, email for the company. Um, he also says that he was also blocked from using thousands of dollars of Google play apps. And I'll, I'll go ahead and say, what the hell are you doing? Spending thousands of dollars on Google play apps when you know that these can be taken away with the snap of a finger. Well, you're a software but, guy. So I understand you're, you're checking out the competition. He's a software things. guy, right? I'm, he, yeah. That's why he so, would have. Yeah. Um, so he tried, like many, many people have done, to get in contact with somebody at Google to ask why, what, what is this alleged terms of service violation? Which video are you having problems with? I'll even take down the video, even though I don't have any reads. You know, the, the videos they posted on this channel were things like, uh, you know, pre-release teasers for various versions of the game. Um, 
But for some reason, they Google decided it, it was violated. Google has never released any public statement about this. They've never explained. Nobody has any idea why he got the copyright strike. Uh, but a couple days ago, um, he finally got really fed up and uh, sent out uh, a tweet saying, quote, I will not be involved with a corporation that values their customers and partners so little. Doing business with you is a liability. I can take this no other way than you deciding to burn this bridge. Consider it burned. And Terraria canceled their Stadia port on the day. So, um, yeah, Google Stadia losing a 30 million copy game. Way to go, guys. Over a copyright strike on an unknown video for an unknown. Yeah. Be- mean- because. They provide absolutely no means to get any kind of appeals process or any kind of explanation because YouTube does does this, you know, and and you know that in the big corporation, anything below the VP level, uh, the YouTube people and the Stadia people don't even talk to each other. But what else can you do? Why that um, they would go after somebody's email? I mean, I'm assuming he had a business account, maybe even too. It seems like I, I I don't know the details. All I know is that he, I mean, he made a couple of terrible choices. One of which was hosting his uh, email, his his business email on Gmail. But yeah, that's a bad idea if you don't want it to be turned off. There's uh, no question about it. But I was just saw a video of a guy ranting last night who has a music channel on youtube because this was like his 100th 99th video something like that of what makes songs great and he said one i don't make money on any of these videos i've had countless artists that come in so if he covered you know bruce springsteen's song hungry heart well bruce springsteen's publisher can come and go well we want to monetize this so the guy gets nothing you know springsteen would make all the money on this and the guy is just doing this because he likes deconstructing music and teaching people how to play things. And he said he has never had a copyright strike until now. And it was over a cars song, but the same thing. He's like, there was nobody to contact. There was nothing specifically said why they were upset about this. It's like, he's like, I'm fine with them saying, remove the video. I'm fine with them monetizing the video themselves. At least they told him which video. Yes. That's a plus. (laughs) That is a plus. You at least knew which one that it was, because otherwise it is just infuriating because, again, one random person says, oh, no, there's a word in this video. I don't like. Take it down. And then they pull it and nobody explains anything. Yeah, this this rap artist said uh, a bad swear word and I want the whole video taken down. Right. And uh, that's the system that we have now. This is the biggest problem. Well, one of them is that there is no remediation. There is nowhere to go. There is no person to call at YouTube or Google to be like, hey, you just took all my stuff and locked me out of it. How do I get back in? There's nobody to talk to. Once it happens, you have like a random thing you can fill out and you'll probably never hear back from anybody. There's no guarantee that you're going to ever be able to recover any of your stuff. So yeah. don't use them. And this is, and, and I've definitely mentioned this before, but this is one of my problems with a digital library. And, and one of the reasons that I'll never use Stadia is, you know, you, there, there are no, there are no physical discs. There's no way to, uh, you know, to bring your own game. If you want to play something on Stadia, 
you have to do a digital purchase from the play store. And this is the same reason why I, you know, I was a big Xbox guy in the last generation of consoles and, and this generation where everything is a digital download. Um, I, I have a couple of disc based games, but I'm just, I am not going to build a library that the moment that one person in some corporation suddenly discovers a grumpy old Ben's show <laughs> and says, this person needs to be canceled and they can delete thousands of dollars of my library. No, that is not a risk that I, I am willing to open myself up to. Yes. It's just, there, there's too much chance of, of somebody going out there and, you know, maybe they're right, but maybe they do it by mistake. Maybe somebody fat fingers the keyboard and my whole, my whole setup is deleted. But there's no recourse. What do you, what you, how do you even, you can't call anyone. You can't. So I, you know, I discovered early on when, when the big problem was just DRM, it was the question was DRM content versus unencrypted content, which funny how that, that whole discussion went out the window now. But I decided a long time ago, I'm just not going to build myself a library that can be turned off. Well, yeah, there's no reason for it. And it's not convenient. I mean, your Internet goes down. Well, now you can't play a game. You don't have it locally. Oh, your Internet goes down. You can't watch a video. You don't have it locally. Oh, your Internet goes down. You can't listen to music. You don't have it locally. So I don't know. I'm I'm a I'm a digital <laughs> hoarder. And that's what oh, yeah. network attached storage devices are for to hoard all of your entertainment. So when the Internet goes down, you have something to do and nobody can take I- it away from you. In the troll room, Dewadenham just posted a, a, a number, said uh, gethuman.com, which, uh, by the way, is is a site that, it, if it's still around, I have used for a long time because it just lists you know, phone numbers of large companies, most of which have some kind of automated, please press line, and it tells you the quickest way to attach to a human. One of my, one of my favorite websites, if you ever have to call a large corporation, they have a listing for Google. And Dwadnam just pasted in the troll room, but the listing says nobody answers this number. Lol. <laughs> Thank you for calling it's, Grumpy Old Benz. Your I mean, call is that's very Google important for you. to us. Please remain on the yes. line. And then, no, thirty-five years later, you finally get picked up by somebody you can't well, understand. You the, when was the last time you checked the voicemail at four eight zero four Grumpy? Oh, like a week or so ago. And uh, you know, here's my idea. Before we go, because we had we had this. Uh, brainstorm or i mean it was really not much of a storm i guess but you and i yesterday it was a brain drizzle yes we're we're discussing doing a live show following a sunday no agenda immediately after no agenda and i mean next week sunday is valentine's day so a bad day but maybe on the 21st and i'm thinking a way to make this special would be to allow people I mean, to use that phone number for something now 4804 grumpy and if do an ask grumpy old ben's kind of an episode if people are into this where they can send in questions and we can cover questions from yes. the experts on this and we may even be able to open up the phone lines live during the show but we would certainly like to know how many people are interested and book uh, some questions in advance but if you also want to be able to ask a question live on the show feel free to put that in the email because we can definitely have a way to hook that up either via a something like you know google voice easy enough via phone or we can do it via 
something like uh, clean feed so we can hook this up. You know, if we know you're interested in being on that show and that way it would be a, a something special. It's not our normal show. A little more free form right after no agenda when we have a nice big audience of live people already frothed up from listening to yes. John and Adam. Because if there's one thing that we are, it is attention horse. Right. And the bigger audience is, is you, you, you brought it, you, you brought this up and I pretty much am, am there with you uh, with the idea of, uh, we were talking about how we seem to get a lot more listeners to grumpy old Ben's when we're, when the show is replayed after no agenda, than we get when we're doing it live the morning after the, you know, the, right. the morning of the next day. and. Your comment was, well, why don't we just do it live after no agenda? And I think that that is the kind of thing that uh, Adam Curry has always been pushing for uh, a a network of live radio shows. Now, that's really hard to get without a huge network of hosts. And and while our little community is starting to develop a large network of hosts, I I don't know that we have enough to keep up a 24-7 live uh, radio station yet. Yeah. However. um. Yeah, the the idea that you had was, well, what if we just did a live show after the live no agenda show? There'd be a tremendous audience in there. The trolls would already be fired up. You wouldn't be able to be scrolling so fast. You wouldn't be able to tell. And uh, my thought was, well, I mean, if there's anything that's going to kick them off the stream, it'll be listening to my voice. So, yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, Sir Matthew says, I don't have any questions, but I'm willing to listen. Here, Here's a question for you, Sir Matthew. How do I finish a podcast episode and post it? You can ask that. And we can give you that information and, uh, yes, that'll be very helpful, but Hey, we could, we could, I mean, you've got questions. Ask them of grumpy old Ben's. Yes. Darren D a R R E N or Ryan R Y a N at grumpy old are the email. The phone lines are open four eight Oh four grumpy. Leave a voicemail and let us know if you're interested. I mean, we're probably going to blather on live anyway, but it would be nice to have a bunch of questions. And topic suggestions that we could use, and you'll be heard live on the air on the No Agenda stream following I No Agenda. Do have one question though. If we're going to do something like a, a question and answer, I, by the way, I thought you were going to do that with Larry too. Is is that are we going to horn in on that problem? Or on, well, this is just a idea? grumpy old Ben's concept, but yeah, we still have okay. to get with Larry to do an overall show. I I am looking forward to that and I'd love to see it come to fruition. I'm just not sure that I'm invited to be one of the main hosts. So it means I don't have to do any work. Right. See, less work Uh, is better. We're just going to let you do the chapters of the the show. My my question for both of those, though, is uh, if people call in with questions, is there any obligation on our part to give useful answers or or answers that have any uh, that are correct? See, now here was my idea with the show that I was. Uh, suggesting with larry and then we could use we had that whole list of other experts and you that we thought we could also use i, I thought the fun part of the show might be one person has to be suggest uh, has to be selected at random to give the exact wrong answer that they believe rather you know and kind of make it into a game show so somebody asks okay. for advice and you and you're, you're going to randomly select me every time is that to give well, you know because if, if see here's the problem selecting you to intentionally give a wrong answer your intentional wrong answer would probably end up being the right answer so it would, yes I'm, I'm clever that way it's all just screwed up and that would go directly down the drain this is why we're going to try this out we're going to see what happens and i think it could either be a uh, a train wreck 
or it could be absolute magic. It, it all depends. could be an absolutely magical train wreck. Yes. And people do seem to like watching that kind of stuff. So reach out if you have questions. We have answers. And don't worry. We'll mention this again before the, the 21st. But since next week, again, Valentine's Day, like two weeks from yesterday. So there's plenty of time to come up with a question, Sir Matthew. We, we love maps with Matt. And we know episode four is going to be legendary now. So I think that covers everything for today's show. We've blathered on long enough and have now scared people with new ideas. Yeah. Yeah. We, we started to wind down at, (laughs) uh, after the two hour mark and then, you know, we just didn't and continued. Well, I know people were complaining, you know, that no agenda when it falls under three hours just isn't long enough. So I mean, that was really weird yesterday. I got almost caught uh, by I'm unaware like how did the show end this fast I, it's super bowl somebody wanted to watch and we know yeah. adam doesn't watch sports ball and we know one of the hosts was in the san francisco area so i'm just saying might have had more of an interest than uh than not but hey it's okay sports ball it'll still be going on all year round just different sports ball different things and we will probably talk about very little of it here but if i'm going to bitch about sports ball i random thoughts i feel like we've already talked about all the sports ball we need to for the rest of the year probably so with that there will be baseball talk despite my best efforts but but let's keep it to a minimum yeah get the raw hide get the hard ball and i'm telling you if Minnie minoso and dick allen are elected to the hall of fame this year after they're both dead i will say screw the hall of fame with that said i'm darren o'neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle america just outside of Chirac, where the weather is cold but damn it it's warm in here And from America's Left Coast, where you've got questions and we've got unhelpful answers. I'm Ryan Bemrose.